I'm actually ready. I wasn't lying. Not this time. Let's do it. Ha ha! Joke's on you. I'm never ready. Ha! Joke's on you. I'm always lying. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Welcome, everybody, to episode number 57 of the Goulet Pencast, where fountain pens are still a thing. I am Brian Goulet. I'm Drew Brown. And we are here from the Goulet Pens to deliver this casual and informal, tangential and extraneous, superfluous and extemporaneous fountain pen show where we talk about what's going on at the Goulet Pen Company and in our fountain pen lives. In today's show, we're going to be talking about some new pens like the Monteverdi Invincia Super Black and the Estabrook Camden Northern Lights. We have some questions from our viewers like which converters are our favorites, our favorite ink bottles, favorite specialty nibs. Lots of questions about things we like this week, Drew. Um, Other analog hobbies or collectibles that we enjoy. And if we've ever thought about having an in-house nibmeister, we're going to be spotlighting the new nib on the Platinum 3776 10th anniversary that we alluded to last week. Used it. Now we can talk about it. And we have a hypothetical question about the bequeathing of a pen butler and what skill that we would desire from them. It'll make more sense when we go through the full question, but that along with other more nonsense about our personal lives and fun stuff like that. So it'll be a good show and uh, we're going to kick it off with some feedback. That's right. We have some feedback. Hello, everyone. Thank you for your patience last week. Uh, In fact, (laughs) we did get a lot of positive feedback a lot of people were like, yay, it's a Monday pencast. Just, that's just such a nice way to say, darn, you forgot to do Friday's pencast. So thank you. Like, yay, Monday, instead of darn, not Friday. So you spun it well, and we appreciate you for it. Uh, we did have some Wi-Fi issues that uh, made it unable for us to upload the pencast on Friday. So we were able to get that all sorted out, got it online Monday. So thank you for your patience again. Anne specifically said, I was so happy to see this yesterday. I listen to the pencast on and off throughout my work day and when I have tasks that are more tedious and don't need my absolute full attention. I'm still working from home, so you two are like uh, are kind of like my work buddies I listen to. Thank you, Anne. Happy hey. to be your work buddy. Yeah. Technically, your work, you, technically, technically, all of you are our work buddies because we're, well, we're on the clock right now. So. Yeah, we're working. So you, hey, yeah. it's a good job. Works um, for us. And then Catherine mentioned in regards to our Q&A segment last week about our favorite Robert Auster inks. Catherine says, my favorite Robert Auster ink is River of Fire. I'm surprised it wasn't mentioned. Uh, me too. That that's a, that's a great ink and it's one of their most popular. I believe it's their second. No, there is their first most, most popular. I believe when we covered most popular inks in every brand, I think that Robert Auster's was River of Fire or it was Fire and Dice. Some sort of fire. It was, it was fire and ice. Okay. Yeah. River, River of Fire is up there, though. It is. It definitely is. So that's a super popular one. Super popular. Pretty, pretty mm-hmm. color. Uh, but yeah, just didn't make it into either, either of our favorite lists. Yeah. It, it, you know, honestly, it was, it's actually kind of a good example of what we were talking about with Robert Oster, where there are a lot of really good colors that end up being sort of similar to each other. Yeah. Um, truth be told, I looked it up and I was like, well, I know we have Lake of Fire, and so I looked it up, and there is a Lake of Fire and a River of Fire. There's a Fire and Ice, <laughs> yep. and it was so it was like, wait a minute, there's Blue Water Ice, and I was like, which? Wait, hang on, which one is which? I literally had to like Google it. 
And then I realized, because I tried to look at it through our website, but I missed it in alphabetically. I looked at the rose gold and all that, Antiqua and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, oh, I don't see river of fire. I didn't think about river being I before O when I was looking alphabetically. And I just glossed right over it. I was like, do we not have river of fire? And then I looked it up and like the Google search brought up our own listing. And I was like, oh, there it is. Okay. I've so, done that before. Yeah. I mean, look, we carry 800 some colors. I don't have like every single one of them off the top of my head, but I was able to find it. And I was like, oh yeah, okay. And it actually is a pretty popular color. In fact, if you sort, if you go to Robert Oster's page on our site and you sort it by popularity, the sample comes up as like the number two ink or something like that. Yeah, so it's the, up there. The bottle itself is further down, but anyway, so it's definitely not unpopular. I think for us, it just phew, clearly, I had to Google it to even find it on our website. So it wasn't top of mind for me. I've never used that one, but I've used peppermint and peppermint is really close. I think peppermint was more popular. Now maybe River Fire is more popular, but I think they're very, very similar. Um, great color. So it's like a dark green with a red sheen to it, which Robert Oster has several of those, but great ink. So I'm glad you enjoyed it, Catherine. Um, got some other feedback. Daniel said, since Brian is such a space geek, I've seen the model of the Saturn V rocket in his office, and I often see him wearing t-shirts with the NASA meatball. I thought he would appreciate the attached picture. And I have not seen this picture, Drew, so I actually don't know what it I, is. I just sent it to you. I was waiting for this moment, Brian. Oh, you wanted, I wanted me to you see to react live. All right. Well, let me take a look at it. Yes, it's 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 uh, DM'd to you. All um, right. Give me one second here. It is a pretty epic photograph. I will include it on the pencast so that our friends out there can check see it, it as well. Oh, that is that is epic, right? Isn't that amazing? Who would have thought we would ever have glove. seen? An actual space glove writing the most <laughs> absurd phrase. Uh, turkey, tur- hammock. turkey hammock. Like, wow. That's, that is inspired. That is pretty darn amazing. That is really cool. I do enjoy that. It's funny, though. I don't really consider myself a space nerd, but I, I don't know. I guess I am. I sort, I'm sort of an unintentional space nerd. I think I'm that not, you- I'm not like, I, I don't identify myself as a space nerd. I just find things about space to be fascinating so I don't know if that qualifies me to be a nerd. Like I'm not into the space nerd culture. Like I don't, I'm, I'm not into any forums. I'm not into any of that stuff. I just, when I watch, I mean, I watch plenty of videos and Neil deGrasse Tyson and all the things, you know? So it's like, I watch a lot of space stuff just because I find the content to be very fascinating. But I don't know, maybe I am a space nerd. Maybe I just need to admit it. <laughs> but I, I mean, don't, it's, I never it's like not, identify it's myself. It's not hard. I think that there are some rabbit holes you can fall down with some effort like you actually had to jump into the rabbit hole space though with you and myself it's just you can just kind of slip and fall right in like it doesn't take a lot at all it can just be oops and now i've watched three hours worth of content yeah and the thing i will say about that rocket the saturn 5 rocket first off i love lego so anytime i can find look there's so so many cool lego kits out there Oh my gosh. Like if I, in an, in an alternate reality, in an alternate timeline, Drew, I would be some kind of like Lego build YouTuber because I love building Lego stuff. I love all the Lego kits. I just literally can't justify the expense of all these Lego kits. Cause someone in the space, there. like what do you do with in them? the space? I have, yeah. I have a lot of Lego technic sets and the space thing is an issue. Like Rachel's like, are you going to do anything with all this? Like what's <laughs> What's the long-term plan with these? I was like, you are not looking at the results of a long-term plan here. This is not how this thing has come to be. Yeah. This is a childhood fantasy of 
never having enough, you know, resources to be able to get this stuff. And oh, you don't have to, you don't have to tell me. I was researching oh, yeah. how much it would cost to get a full size, like film quality stormtrooper suit of armor yesterday. Oh, and, they're like uh, three grand or something, aren't they? No, no, no. It'd be about, well, I was technically looking at the scout trooper, which would be about uh, 16 grand. Um, what? So I, I, you could buy that. That That's like a, the same price as like a really nice 65 inch TV, Brian. It's not crazy. Wait, I mean, what? 16 grand? Is that what you said? No, no, sorry, sorry, sorry. 1600. Okay, you said sorry. 16 grand. Didn't mean 16 like, grand. No, 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 no. I was like, what TVs are you buying? No, it's a bargain. A bargain at 1600. 1600? Oh, I mean, that's. Sorry, I said 16 grand again. God. You did. You just wanted I mean, to be 16 there grand. Are, there are so many other things. Like, There's a, a lot you can do with 1600. Yeah, but why not buy a Stormtrooper costume? But it's so funny because I can easily justify a pen. In that same price range, but then on right. like a, a Lego kit, I'm like, that's ridiculous. There's right. no way. It's, yes. We all find like, ways to justify things for ourselves, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, space is cool. I think space is cool. Um, and then Carol, Carol, thank you. This is exactly what I was hoping to get. Feedback from last week talking about um, top coding for archivability of long-term writing, right? Um, so Carol says, Brian, I'm an artist with 40 years experience a top coat that can be applied without a residue or negative effects that I use with permanent ink is spray fixative. Note, do not spray close to the piece, at least six inches away in a light coat. Fixative works as a sealer. As you state, always test first. However, I draw every day and have decades of experience directly with ink paper and the use of spray fixative. I hope this helps. Thank you for all your do. Your pencasts are always a joy. So that's really cool. So, you know, I would say this is probably the most specific thing that I've heard for some kind of top coating for long-term protection of ink on paper. Um, so that is very compelling. And I looked and it's like a pretty common thing. You can find it. It's like, you know, an art supply store, craft store, that type of thing. Krylon makes one. Um, and uh, so if you just go look up spray fixative, Google it, you'll see it. Um, so I'm kind of curious. I've never used this stuff, but seems to make sense. I don't know what it's made of, but sprayable, you know, magic. Um, so there you go. Thank you, Carol. Very helpful. Um, there you go. So and there, there was also a comment below hers, maybe two that said, hmm. you know, came here to say this. So it, it's definitely. Uh, uh, so there are other people out there. And that makes sense. Like people that are in like the mixed media world, they have more of a knowledge of these like I'm not going to call like more specific, you know, products that are to like art and collection. I will say like fountain pens in general to kind of, you know, go back to the question that I originally went, spent a lot of time on fountain pens in general are not necessarily the thing that are designed for archivability. You know what I mean? Like whenever you're painting, like you don't use watercolor. That's basically the equivalent of fountain pen ink is like watercolor. That's not made for long-term stuff. You want like heavily pigmented, high-quality paint because that will stand up best with light fastness and all that type of stuff. So fountain pen ink in general, is primary purpose is not archivability. So you need to get some very, very specific uses uh, for it if you want to use it for that purpose. It can be done, but it's not the default de facto uh, assumption is that your writing's going to last forever. Anyway. So there we go. So that's a, that's it for feedback this week. And now we're going to move on to some new stuff, new pens that we're going to talk about. All right, Drew, I got a pen here from Monteverde. Monteverde. Well, not here physically, more like 
in spirit i have this pen. ah spirit pen i do have one of these pens in my office i just don't have it physically home here with me but uh anyway uh you and i both have held this pen in our hands it is a difficult one to get across in pictures um it just kind of looks like a matte black pen it's the invincia super black that i'm talking about and uh essentially it's a it's a metal pen so it's pretty heavy you know very sturdy feels very substantial but it's got this coating on it they call it super black the best way I can describe it is if you're familiar with the like rubberized grip like you would have on a Lamy Studio stainless steel version like that like where it's 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 not rubber like it doesn't it's not squishy you can tell it's very hard like it's over a metal surface but it has this you know grippy kind of texturized coating to it and it's a very matte finish it's not shiny or glossy in any way um, that's what this thing feels like so apparently it's very durable um, super black is something that they came up with they've used it on uh, what did they do a conklin crescent they did in uh, super black yeah um i don't think we we didn't carry that this is our first super black pen but um apparently a new process that they've applied to these pens so it's uh it's you know it's kind of interesting so we wanted to carry this because we thought with the stealthy look of it um it was really cool it's got gunmetal trim this kind of matte black finish to it um if you're a fan you know the the invincia styling is pretty classic you know a little bit more of like the call it professional kind of corporate look to it but um you know it's a very sturdy very heavy pen i think it's a good you know it's like a statement pen it's very got a very substantial presence to it but if you're if you're into the tactile feel you know and you like that kind of like grippy feeling i think it's really cool not it's sort of like if you've ever held like a matte ebonite not a glossy ebonite but a matte ebonite you know it kind of feels a little bit like that it's got a little bit of grip to it or maybe like the home the visconti um homo sapiens the lava ret like that it's it's got a little bit of that type of feel to me yeah it's definitely a soft touch pen for sure yeah but not soft um, like not soft like squishy you know no I mean? but but uh, yeah it's it's kind of like just a more soft version of that lamy that that grip is a very specific thing to compare it to because we're talking about one yeah, pen's grip i know so. i know but it definitely feels very comfortable it almost feels almost velvety um, so yeah, like a, yeah. like a very very low pile <laughs> velvet. <laughs> um, now yeah. I remember I, I I had heard the same as you, Brian, that it was developed at the factory that Conklin uses. Um, on Wikipedia, it says that the Super Black was actually developed by the National Physical Laboratory (NPL) in the UK. Uh, so I don't think that is true i think it might have just been a miscommunication somewhere but they say that well it absorbs I th- you know a- i think i think in terms of like applying it to a pen i think they might be one of the first yeah yeah i don't, yeah. I don't know that they like developed the technology yeah i just I, I will get comments about it if we don't say that. okay gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> so it, it absorbs approximately 99.6 percent of visible light now i don't know if that applies to the pen coating as well um but it's a black pen it's a very dark pen and it is certainly not reflective in any way that's for sure so no. it's not a reflective pen. It's a very unique pen first that we've had. And uh, yeah, take a look. It's pretty interesting. But it, yeah, it feels really it feels really cool. Mm-hmm. I'm curious how it holds up over time because I guess, you know, we never carried the uh, the Crescent mm-hmm. version of it, you know, but it's like any other pen with a matte. Like say you were do a, a, a matte finish on a resin pen. Well, eventually, as you use the pen, your hands are going to wear away part of it and it's going to make some of it kind of shiny again. So I'm willing to bet probably the appeal of a material like this is it's not going to do that because it's like an actual coating on the pen. You're not like shining it up like you would be with a resin. 
you know, where it's like in order to get a matte finish on a resin pen or even an ebonite pen, you're basically just not polishing it up all the way, you know? So you're like sending it to shape and then you're just like stopping at a lower grit and that's why you get that matte finish. So it's like any other type of abrasion and friction and stuff like that eventually is going to shine it up, you know, to the point where it would be shinier um, just by using it with your hands. So I'm betting that you're not going to see that as much with this pen, or at least I haven't seen it. But again, I don't know if it's been around long enough to really see how that holds up over time, but I am curious. Yeah. As it goes on. So anyway, that pen's, we got it for a hundred bucks and uh, you can check it out in extra fine through 1.1 stub. Plus they have the OmniFlex nib as an option. So if you're interested in it, go check it out. We got it for sale right now. That's right. Also for sale right now, we have three new Estabrook Camden pens and these are diamond cast resin pens, which is always very, very pretty. And the th- The kicker here is that they have colored clips and colored nibs that correspond with the, you know, predominant color of the resin. So we've got a purple, a blue, and a green. Uh, The purple is purple Alaska. The green is Icelandic green. And the blue is Manitoba blue. So they're all $3.50 a pop. And uh, yeah, colored nibs, Brian, that is a thing. And that is not a thing that is often a thing. So if you like that thing, perhaps it's your thing. We'll find out. (laughs) <laughs> Same thing a few more times. No, um, that's silly. No, I I don't know how to feel about these nibs. I don't know. You don't see a lot of colored nibs. I really like. No, I think the only colored nibs we've um, ever had have been the early preppies. The preppies, and then I feel like there was a Monteverde, like the Impressa or something like that, where they had I, a couple of ones that had colored nibs. I think those were all steel, Brian. I don't know. I think they were blue. There was like a white and a blue one, I think, had a blue nib. I'm, I'm I failing think, to remember. I, th- I, think, I think not, Brian. Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't trust, I don't trust my memory enough to. I'm pretty, yeah, I'm pretty sure they were, all, they were all just steel. There was a red and black. There was a, black, there was a blue and silver. And then there might have been a third color. But I, I, would, I would bet money that they were all straight silver nibs. But I don't know. Somebody will probably pull it up s- and be like, Brian, you did a 25-minute review on this pen, and you don't remember it at all. And I'll be like, How dare you not remember every single one of your reviews from start to finish, brand. Brian? Here's a, here's, a, here's a deep, dark secret about Brian Goulet. <laughs> I, re- I record videos on these things so that I can go back and reference them because I know I will not remember them. That's ah. that's exactly what Henry Jones said in The Last Crusade. He said, I wrote it down in the diary so I didn't have to remember. Yep, that is a fact. Actually, Julia. I I am more likely to remember something if I've made a video on it because I spent more time preparing it and like really thoughtfully like spending time with it and all that kind of stuff. The stuff that Drew and I talk about in the pencasts, it is like a sieve. It's in and out, not a chance of it sticking. <laughs> as Drew <laughs> knocks his pop filter <laughs> way out of whack. Um, yeah, so I'm, yeah, there's probably old, lots of old stuff at this point. I mean, we're close to 2,000 videos at this point. It's just a lot of videos. It's a lot for you all. It's a lot for us. It's just a lot for everybody. So, you know. <laughs> it is a lot for everybody. <laughs> if if like... y'all do find out, if there are any other colored nibs out there, I am really curious to know. And I'm curious to know what y'all think about them because it's not something we see done very often. So I really can't even say if it's something that I, is popular or not because we just don't even see them enough to know whether it's something that is popular. So curious if to you, see how if you like, If you like them, just go ahead and buy them and we'll know. So. Well, well, that's the that's the, reta- <laughs> the retailing answer to that, isn't it? Uh, anyway, that's all we got for new stuff. Now we're going to move it along to the Q&A. 
Okay, Brian, we're kicking things off with a question from mm. Dumbledore's Army Marauders. <laughs> so get ready for that. This is going to be is an aggressive. That is gonna a be name. A, it's going to be an aggressive one. Uh, so the question I proposed that brought this answer was, hey, what should we talk about? You know, anything. And so the answer that Dumbledore's Army Marauders gave us was, converters, please. Mine either crack or constantly pop off and no ink gets out of the pen. So they want us to talk about converters and maybe address why theirs are so terrible. Um, that's interesting. I don't know that I've ever cracked a converter. Neither maybe, have I. Maybe I have. And in fact, I have like a whole bin of converters down here, now, which I meant to grab. So I have split a converter right at the entry point. One yes. of the stand, standard international converters, they, they, they have split right where they plug into the grip section. Just so you see what my life is like. Oh, my God. My bin of converters is also filled with puzzles. So wow. I need to get these puzzles out of here so I can get to my converters. That is, a, that is an interesting existence. My kids didn't put these here. I did, by the way. So I can't blame them. This is all me. So, yeah, other than splitting right at the entry, which I think could have been just as much of an issue with the post of the feed as much as the entry of the converter, I haven't seen a converter actually crack like anywhere in the center or near the piston. That has not been something I've ever experienced. Yeah, you, I don't know what you would have to do to make that happen because they typically make converters out of more durable plastic than they would cartridges. So uh, kind of what Drew's alluding to here, these are the types of standard international converters that are just all plastic on the front. They're usually, they might be unbranded. They might be branded. I don't know. Um, but it's just, it's just straight up plastic. So the end of it is sort of like you would have the end of a, of a cartridge and they're usually like a foggier type of plastic. So I don't know if it's a softer plastic or whatever, but these are typically, typically a less expensive converter than what you would get from say, the other standard international, which may come from different brands, it may be branded, unbranded, whatever, um, like this style, that's more of a clear, um, clear body there and has, you know, like a black tip with a metal band. So these ones will hold up longer because whatever it is about this plastic, that's, you know. That's actually the opposite of what I've found to be true. Really? I've, you whenever found you I've ever, these more? Those are the ones that have split on me. Never really? the other ones. Mm -hmm. Well... Okay, Drew and I have had some different experiences. Yeah, maybe yeah. I've, I mean, maybe I've cracked some of these too. I can't remember. You know, you know when I've cracked these ones, Drew, have been when we've tried to hack pens and fit them where it's like close to a standard international, or we're not sure if it quite fits, and we're like jamming it on there and trying to make it fit. That's when I've cracked these ones. I've only seen those cracked when we've actually gotten some pens from the manufacturer. I don't know if it was an issue with Jinhao years ago, but we got a big batch of them in and. All of them were just cracked, like pre-cracked. Well, we, had, we had to go through like a ton. The Jinhao ones are different. Those are different converters altogether. Yeah, maybe it wasn't Jinhao, but it was it was the ones with it had a black tip on it because I remember it made them really easy to see the uh, the cracks. Okay, so I knew it had a black tip to it. So it is tough because know. sometimes there are off brands, so, you know. And it's like, here we go. I've got I've got a bunch of Jinhao ones here. This is like my converter bucket. Mm -hmm. which I'm just glad I have this here at home because normally I would keep this at work. Um, so Jin Hao, I mean, there's several different ones. Depends on which pen that it comes with. Um, 
you know, but I think this, this like shorter one, you know, with like a really squared off end, that's the more typical one I think I've seen on most of them. Yeah. Maybe these ones come on the dragon one. I'm not sure. I think they kind of mix and match them. Um, they are sort of standard international, but they're not the same looking standard international as what you see on other pens. Yeah. So it is a little hit or miss. I mean, they're converters. They are replaceable. And if you're cracking them like all the time, I would be like, there's something wrong there. They shouldn't be cracking that <laughs> yeah. often. Maybe there's something else going on there. Like maybe it's not the right type of converter for that particular pen. But the thing is with most converters, just as a whole, other than standard international, where there is a little bit of variety, pretty much you get what fits the pen. Like Lamy, they have a Z27 and a Z28. So you sort of have an option there. Pilot's got a couple of options, most of which the Con 40 is going to fit your pens. And the Con 70 also fits some of the larger pens. But you don't usually get a whole lot of choice when it comes to converters. So... It's pretty much if you're not happy with the converter choice, you either need to go to cartridges or like eyedropper converted or something to just bypass the converter altogether. Or you pretty much just have to not use that pen, which is a horrible alternative, but that's the way most pens are. I mean, it's the, the most standard one is the Standard International, which there are a few brands that, you know, sort of adopted that over the years. But a surprisingly high number of the pens that we carry on our site are proprietary converters and you get pretty much one choice sailor has one platinum has one pilot's got a couple lami's got a couple but other than that you pretty much get what you get now the second part of the question mentions converters popping off i have seen that happen sometimes when converters aren't really really fit perfectly we saw it happen Mm -hmm. a bit with the I don't know if it was, I think it was the Coronet. I think that was a Conklin Coronet. We we never, we don't carry that one anymore. Okay. Um, and then it sometimes happens with the Monteverdi Ritma as well. I find that the one in the Ritma is fine. Like it'll go in there and it'll sit if you just don't touch it. But mm. sometimes if you over tighten it, it can pop right off. So you have to just, when you, you know, crank it down, don't over crank it. But I do find that if you replace that converter with a standard international, it's way more reliable. I mean, it works fine as is, but as a nice upgrade, I like to purchase a standard international for that one. So if you do have one of those pens and if it's just feeling loose and it is a standard international-ish size, maybe consider purchasing a legit standard international converter from the website uh, and see if that fits better. That's a, you know, it might be a good fit. Yeah, it's, it's um, frustrating how non-standard even some of the standard international converters are. Yeah. It's like they kind of work, but then they kind of don't. Every now and then there's some that just don't quite fit. And some of them like are slightly shorter or like the taper on the back of the twisty part is just slightly different. And whatever the guts are, the, yeah. way the inside of the pen was designed, it doesn't quite fit on all the way or whatever. It's it's kind of frustrating how yeah. you still have to have all these special accommodations. It's frustrating for us as a retailer to try to like understand and communicate all these little quirks but for sure it's frustrating for you all who spend less time looking at it every day than we do to understand what the heck is going on with some of these converters so it is a little frustrating but you know it's kind of how it's been ever since we got into the thing and it's not really gotten much better in fact maybe worse because i think we've seen more of a diversity of converters as we've gone along in this thing but yeah jen Jin- has like 10 different converters they put in <laughs> random pens but yeah we're yeah. used to it at this point but that would be my biggest recommendation is just make sure that you have the right converter to fit the pen that you're using. Um, I want to say, Drew, some of the other pens we've had 
fit issues on have been some of the lower price Pelican, like the Pelican, like kid range of pens, like the Pelicano Jr., Pelicano. The twist. The twist, the script. All of those just love to just barely hang on to the grip. Yep. Oh, and yeah. And then you either have to like hold it on or just like doesn't line to stay on. But now there are some pens like that where they don't hold on really tightly as you're trying to fill them or whatever. But then once you screw the pen together, like the back of the pen holds it on and it's fine. I've had more of a popping off issue like Dumbledore is talking about here when I'm trying to like fill the pen or I'm like removing it and the converter will pop off and like be stuck in the back of the pen. I haven't had an issue where it's popping off actually inside the pen as I'm trying to use it and then not flowing. That's a little more frustrating. Um, and I would say if you're running into that situation, check the check the type of converter you have, number one. See if you also have that issue with cartridges too. Make sure there's no like damage to the back of the feed post where, you know, it's fitting on there. And if it's like there's something blocking it or whatever, make sure that the area is clean and not cracked or anything. Um, but then also, if you got all this extra room in the back of your pen, you may be able to shove like a little ball of paper or a little something in the back of there that will actually keep the converter like pressed on. You know, you might have to kind of fiddle with it a little bit, but you might be able to have, you know, some way that you can actually give it some back pressure when the pen is screwed together. And then it'll keep your converter on while you're writing. Or you could get the swipe, which solves all your problems in Drew's mind. <laughs> I'm just saying it comes with the spring that you put behind the cartridge so that even because it fits nice and tight. There you go. I, now, I will say the clip is terrible. I don't say enough terrible things about the swipe. It basically so, doesn't have a clip. It's a decorative so, clip. Yeah, so the, the clip is terrible. I will say that. As much mm-hmm. as I love the, the swipe. You can mm-hmm. ma- you can maybe fit like some dental floss tape underneath. <laughs> maybe not you can not maybe. round floss, but the floss no. tape <laughs> might fit. You can maybe fit some dental floss in that. Thing. Mm-hmm. Oh god! You, you want to go to the next one? If you coat it in Crisco first, um, yeah, let's go to the next okay. one. Okay, cool. All right, this is from. Okay, what is this? Flying, flying, flying spaghetti monster. That's what it is. Oh, wow. good one! I didn't even see that. Spaghetti is spelled not like regular spaghetti. I flying was going to be like flying, flying page, kitty monster. Okay, good job, yeah, Brian. Flying spaghetti monster. These are these names are on point today. <laughs> um, flying spaghetti monster says, "What is your favorite shape for ink bottles and why?" Favorite shape, Drew. Mm. So. My ink bottle of choice is the Namiki ink bottle. That's the one I use that I refill, you know, with, you know, standard black inks just to keep on my desk at all times. I like that one because it just has a very easy to look at shape. It doesn't have any stickers on it, which I dig. No stickers to remove. So it's very easily, you can very easily morph it into some other color that's not Namiki and it doesn't bother me that like, oh, why does it have a sailor logo on it? I just put Deatramentus in there. So, I mean, it has a logo on the top, but whatever. And it also has one of those little cups inside so that you can screw the cap on, invert the bottle, the cup fills with ink, put it back down right side up, and then you can fill from the cup. It makes it easy to fill. Platinum also has that feature in their bottles. Um, And their stickers are usually pretty minimal too, just like a little oval if you buy like the carbon black bottle. So that, you know, I don't know if stickers bother you. They bother me. I don't like using, if I'm going to reuse a bottle, I don't want it to have a lot of, identifying features to it i want it to be anonymous like a ink chameleon really so yes brian does this surprise you i don't know you're not the only person i know that's like that oh, okay some, good yeah some people will actually like strip the labels off or yeah take, i would absolutely really because i mean i yeah i mean i love i love um I even, love if it's, even if it's even if it's got the original ink in it like don't you need to no 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 i'm saying like like after so, if you're repurposing the bottle yeah so so, okay? so so for my, oh, okay. my, I'm, I'm answering it right now 
through a practicality lens. Like which ink bottle do I think is the most, okay. is, is my favorite just based on use and application. So that's my favorite based on use and application. Visually though, there are a bunch of really, really pretty bottles. If I'm going that route, if I'm thinking more aesthetics. So mm-hmm. Edelstein is gorgeous, Orochizuku is gorgeous, and the Diamine Holiday Edition, like the Blue Edition, Red Edition, those mm. are absolutely stunning Those are models. cool. Those I are love cool. those. I love those. But in my number one, as far as aesthetics go, that crown is going to have to go to the newly added to the Goulet Pen Company website, Ferris Wheel Press. Mm. You like that chonky cap is why. I love the cap. Well, the cap, I have a love-hate relationship with the cap, Brian, because the mm. cap seals really well. Um, it has a hard stop to it, so you can't over-tighten it. However, there's a little silicone-y, rubbery thing in the cap that seals it, but the thing always falls out, mm. at least at least the first time I open them. When I op- I shove it in there with like some tweezers, and then it doesn't come out again, but that first time, they mm. always pop out, and they're super annoying. Sometimes you have to get... You have to like peel it off of the opening, so that's super annoying, but it still works, and it still works really well once mm. that with that little plastic thing would stay up in the cap. So if they could like glue that thing up in the cap somehow, so it would stay up there. Or maybe, or maybe it just needs to be like just a millimeter larger. So it's got a little bit more friction to, yeah, maybe, I I don't know. Mm. So, but I feel like when I, when I put it back in there and (coughs) shove it in, it usually stays for the rest of the time I'm opening it. So maybe it's something to do when they're actually, doing the initial assembly. Maybe they're just not shoving it in far enough or something. But hmm. anyway, that's my that's my thing as far as practicality and looks. What about you, Brian? I I wouldn't disagree with anything that you say. I mean I Whoa. think I think the aesthetics are, you know, to each their own, right? Like yeah. different people like different things. Um you know, I definitely think I, I break it out into two different categories like you do. It's like aesthetic versus practicality. Um, so, I mean, Orochizuku is an all around favorite for mine, for both actually. Um, Pelican Edelstein, I think the aesthetics are pretty tough to beat. Um, the thing I like about just from a practical perspective, I, I don't really, it doesn't really bother me too much if the bottle's like really flat or kind of wide or whatever. Like, I don't really care as much about the shape of the bottle. Um, I just want to be able to have a wide enough neck to where I can not have to worry about, if the pen's going to fit in there and, you know, I'm fine angling my pen hard. I'm fine. Like holding the bottle in my hand and sort of tipping it while I'm trying to fill. But if the neck's not wide enough and I can't really maneuver the pen into like the corner of the bottle when I'm trying to fill out of the bottom, that's kind of annoying. So from a practicality perspective, the thing I like the most is just a wide neck. Just give me lots of room to operate in there, you know, especially because if some of these bottles like, like Noodler's has great bottles, for practicality's sake in some ways, but they are pretty tall. And, you know, I find that when I get towards like the lower half, lower third of the bottle, that I'm going to get ink on my fingers from that cap. So like, I'll actually have to, and and this happens all the time because when I do the nib nook, I'm using Noodler's Black. I go through plenty of it from the nib nook. And so I'm like, you get that black ink on your hands and it's, you know, very obvious. So a lot of times I go in there to fill and I don't really have a choice about the pen that I'm using because I'm doing whatever is needed for the nib nook. So I will have to like uncap it and then basically take like a paper towel or something and like wipe the whole like rim and inside of the cap so that if I'm like, because some of the pens, because it's such a tall bottle, some of the pens when I'm trying to get down in there, you know, say it's like one of these ones that has a 
flimsy converter that doesn't really hang on to the back of it. I got to like stick the pen way down in there and stick my finger like almost down in the bottle and like hold the pen and then operate the converter and like ink is just getting everywhere. So I, I appreciate a really, a really wide neck and uh, I don't know, I kind of lean more towards a flatter bottle, you know, like the, like the ones I already mentioned, but um, weirdly for, for the sake of convenience and actual use, the Lamy bottle is actually pretty good it looks really flat but it's got this like dimple in the bottom of it that's kind of hidden by that black you know um plastic part that holds the paper which is also weird yeah the base um if you actually take the glass part out of there it looks like a ufo and it's got a rather you know phallic shape to it but you know it is it's it's hidden so it's got it's got its drawers on most of the time but you'll see what I talk about. I'm not going to show you. But I know exactly what you're talking about, but how is that? A- anyway, I'm just saying it looks weird. Every time I there look at it, there are a lot of mammals like, out there, I suppose. Weird. Absolutely. Um, this is part of so nature. So my question but, to you, since you... Pre- it allows the nib to get way down in there is what I'm saying. So like, oh, even, no, though, believe, it's a, believe, even yeah. though it's a flat bottle, if it's got like a big divot or something like the Orochizuku's got that kind of divot, you get so much utility out of that little divot. Utilitydivot.com. Um, so, so you keep saying wide neck, not not mouth. Like, I guess... I guess the neck is the mouth. Anyway, same my, part, I guess, right? I, yeah, maybe. So I guess it's well, both. You got to so, wide so, neck so and would, mouth. Would, would, would a private reserve bottle be just like the entire bottle is the neck? Then <laughs> that would be the so that's the, all neck. That would be the extreme. <laughs> that's like yeah. That's like uh, so. Uh, that's basically a bowl. That's a that's bowl like an of offensive right offensive lineman neck <laughs> right there. Fire hydrant. Uh, yeah. So with that, I, I appreciate that too. I like being able to not have, you know, like a really tiny, tiny entry point because sometimes you have a really tiny entry point like those little diamine bottles and you can't even get your pen in there. Yeah. However, there is, in my opinion, such a thing as too big. Like the private reserve bottle freaks me out, Brian. Why? Why? It freaks me out. I am so paranoid that things are going to fall in it. When I open that (laughs) thing up, I feel like I'm exposing some like vat that could get contaminated and... I shouldn't be opening this thing up all the way. I'm like, I don't need all of this exposed. This is too much. Wow. And I'm like, just thinking dust in the air or like a dog hair that I've got on my shirt, which is a thing. <laughs> I don't I don't want it that exposed. It's super easy yeah. to fill from, but it's too exposed for me. It freaks me it's out. I don't much. like it. It makes me nervous. Okay. Maybe there's a there's a line there. There's a maybe there's what, a gold, you, a golden ratio of I, I for, for me there is. What about you? Do you like since you appreciate the neck? Do you appreciate the all neck of the private reserve or is that too much neck? I mean, it's fine. Like to me, as long as there's enough, you, I don't, I can't really have too much. Cause it's not like okay. I'm leaving, it's not like I'm leaving my bottles open all day long. I know. You know yeah. What I, mean? I mean, it's like 30 seconds while I'm filling. I, I know. I know that, but it still freaks me out. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't have dogs, yeah. so I don't have dog fur all over everything. <laughs> you know, I just have socks everywhere around my house. <laughs> Actually, to be fair, the kids have been a lot better about the socks. Oh, well it's summer. They're probably wearing less socks. Well, that is a fact. They are like not even getting out of their pajamas most days. I'm having to just wrestle my kid to not wear his Crocs because that's mm. all he wants to wear during the summer. And there we bought go. like three. We bought like three pair of shoes for him near the end of the school year. And I'm like, dude, if you don't wear these, seen the light of day. they're, they're, they're getting thrown exp- away because you're going to be yes. I'm like, yeah. please. You got to get that kid to wear those shoes, man, because they're going right? to go back. They're they're going to get outgrown real quick. Yep. Yeah. All right. I feel you on that. You ready yeah. for the next one? Oh, I think so. I think we talked okay. about we've, mouths we've got a... and necks long enough. <laughs> we've got a question from our old friend 6x6, Matt. And Matt is asking us, you in this case, 
Which unique nib style, like a music, like an FA, like a Naginata grind, mm. is the most enjoyable? And Matt specifically says, trust your gut. Trust your gut? Yeah, the old goulet gut. The goulet gut, yeah. Consult never, the gut. Love that alliteration. Yeah, never used, I do. Never used that one for anything, the goulet gut. Um, yeah, I mean, me, ever since I got into fountain pens, the thing I've loved the most is just like saturated ink dark wet stubs broads you know that kind of thing and while over the years i've absolutely come to appreciate basically all nib sizes i definitely still have my preferences so like for me when i was doing the nib nook most recently for the pilot custom 912 i had eight different nibs to do at one time and it was a good spread of them because i'd done there's 15 different nibs altogether. I had already done seven of them. We picked up the other eight. So I was like, all right, I get to ink up and use all these pens, you know, back to back to back. And uh, there was, you know, some like soft, fine, soft, medium, some of those in there, which are cool. I do like the pilot soft nibs. But, um, you know, it was a very stark difference when I went from the postable or the post. Crap. What is it called? Postal? Postal. Posting. Posting. I always want to call it the postal nib or the postable nib posting nib which is essentially it's an extremely fine line it's like a beak the thing just like curves down it's like just like a razor's edge on the tip of that thing and it feels like i'm trying to drag like a a sewing needle across an asphalt driveway it's just the like least pleasurable writing experience pretty much that i can think of and it's not because it's a bad nib. It's just such a fine point. You're just dragging this super sharp thing across the page. And the and thing about just, the PO nib, my... also that, that curvature ensures that there's no spread or, or bend at all to the tines. Like that, right. that's, it's basically locking those tines in place. Yeah. So no matter what stiff. you do, if you, if you push down, like you're not opening up anything. It is, it is, it is that line width and it yep. will stay that line width no matter what. Yep, and it's it is a dry nib. It writes consistently. Ah. But it's dry AF and it is stiff AF. And it is beautiful and wonderful and delightful. Drew loves this nib and to me I appreciate it for what it is. But it just I I went from using that so literally the next writing sample that I did was the coarse nib, oh. which, is, which is like a triple broad. It's just yeah. like if you basically took the entire nib material from the posting nib, melted it down and put it on the tip of another nib, that would be the coarse nib. Like that's how fat that thing feels. Going from that to the coarse nib, I was like, oh, I, I audibly made a noise. I was alone in my office <laughs> and I audibly made a noise. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like the with the coarse nib. I was like, yeah, yeah. Oh uh, man, that's just, amazing. Yeah. So I mean, flows super wet. If you're using, I just picture somebody like walking up to your office to like ask you something, hearing that, and then turning around and leaving. That may have happened. I wouldn't even know. <laughs> I was like totally in the moment. Um, no, but uh, uh, you know, so just in terms of my own personal preference, I definitely lean towards the the fatter broader wetter nibs now i i appreciate nibs like the zoom like the naganata togi i like the ones where you can get super fat and wet but it's not like that necessarily all the time so you can you know kind of tilt it up or whatever and write with it a little finer but then if you want to you can drop it down and then 
you know, get a crazy spread on it. So I, I like that. I like the zoom nib. I like the 912 coarse nib. Um, I like, I've used platinum's coarse nib. I think I have one of those. They don't sell those regularly, but I think I ended up with one somehow. They had it one time ago. Maybe I, I don't remember if I have it or if I just used it or whatever, but it was a, it felt very similar to the pilot one where it's just like, it was like writing with a Sharpie basically. It was just like, just, just blasted ink all over the page and it was fantastic. So that, those are the ones I like. Drew, I know you have some different preferences. I, I, yes and no. Like I think the most fun nib to write with is something with variation, either a zoom or a flex, something that can Mm. give me a bunch of different line width. So that's the most fun but enjoyable is a, is a variable term. So I'm going to say that my most enjoyable nib is an extra, extra fine or an ultra extra fine or just as fine as you can get. Mm. And it's enjoyable for me because I know how hard it is to make a really well-tuned extra, extra fine nib that has good flow and yet maintains that double extra fine line. Like in order to do that, and maintain flow and have it be comfortable on the page that to me is like writing with you're writing with so much skill and attention to detail on Mm. that nib and it's like i I, you can feel the craftsmanship and the intentionality behind nib tipping builds if you write with an architect or a naganata or any sort of bladey grind because you can actually see like where the variation is but the double extra fine or triple extra fine even you can't really see any of it and that to me mm. is so much more impressive because there's you can't just look at one well i can't anyway and say okay these are misaligned or this is why it's not writing well the mm. finer you get the more mysterious these nibs kind of become and i just every time i get one in my hands and that performs excellently it's just like i want to just salute it because I know what it takes to get there and I can't do it. And it just impresses me. And, and writing with that, I, I really feel connected with the person who created that. And uh, mm-hmm. so that, 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 that's why I like it. And I also enjoy writing with it. And it, to me, it's like a challenge to make sure that my lines are really consistent, really smooth. I have a very hard time with consistency in my writing. None of my L's are the same height. It it's, looks like just mad, but it's my brain, so. Yeah, but that's probably my number one favorite just because of all of those steps involved in its creation. Yeah, I'll say, so I did a like three-day nib training with Richard Bender several years ago um, in his uh, Nashua Pen Spa. And um, I don't know if he still does those or not. I know he was doing them with decreasing frequency, um, but he's trained a bunch of people. And, um, you know, of the three-day course, I would say the single grind that we spent the most time on was these like super fine grinds and it was basically like i think it was me and and three other people doing this thing and you know we would go through basically each nib grind and he had you know materials and he would explain stuff and then we'd basically do our grinds we each had our own setup and you know he was right there at the table so we'd do the grind he would critique you know how we're doing the grind then we'd do our thing kind of be like, oh, I think this is it and hand it to him. And he would be like, yeah, no, yes, whatever, tweak this. And, you know, that kind of a thing. So it was a very good process. He's a great teacher. Um, But (laughs) when it came to these like super fine nibs, that was the one where like all of us, we would like hand it to him and he'd be back and be like, no. And it was like the one he handed back the most because the tolerances are just 
so fine, yes, so meticulous. Exactly. And like to get it right is the hardest of, of most of these things. Now we didn't get into like doing flex or anything. That's next level. But in terms of like your standard grinds and stuff like that, that you do, these super fine nibs are the hardest by far. Um, Cause you just have no, no room for error basically. Um, and that's why, you know, pretty much any new meister that you see that does these custom grinds or these like triple extra fine, quadruple extra fine, whatever, you're going to see those are much more expensive just because of essentially how long it takes them to just tweak ever, ever, ever more like closely to get this like perfect needle point. But for those that like that, it's worth it. I just, uh, yeah, it's just not, you know, I don't know. It's cool. Like they're cool, but in terms of like the writing feel, it's like, mm, no, thank you. Not, not my style, not my style, <laughs> but I, I know Drew's, Drew's more in that camp than I am. I'm like, just, just keep on, just keep on welding, tipping, just all of it. Just give it on. I want, I want the cap to barely be able to fit on the pen. There's so much <laughs> tipping on these nibs. Nah, that's more my style. <laughs> you want like a ball bearing on the, you want like a BB on the front of your nib. Yeah. Like a, like a double out buckshot on the tip. <laughs> Just give me one of those, you know, like the, the shots you have in like the slingshots, you know? Oh, yeah, giant, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, you know, like eight millimeter ball on the end. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? That. You know what the feed would have to look like for that thing? <laughs> you, couldn't even, like, you couldn't even like support it with the ink flow. No. You, just, you basically just need to like like take the bottle and just like stick it on the back of the pen <laughs> and just like let the bottle just completely dump out as you're writing. Yep. You get like three letters out of it. Anyway ridiculous anyway um let's move it on this is banana is a hannah these are some names today uh says i'm interested to know of y'all y'all's y apostrophe a l l apostrophe s y'all's other analog hobbies or collections now drew to be fair i think we talked about this a lot but i don't know if we've ever like rounded it up into one question but yeah um it sounded kind of familiar, but I put it on here anyway. So, oh, we love yeah. talking about ourselves. I don't so we'll just I don't, I don't remember. I don't keep. <laughs> there's no list of like pencast questions we've already answered. That doesn't exist. So no. you listen long enough, you're probably going to hear a couple of repeats. But uh, that's why we do, you why also, we do time? Why we do timestamps so you can skip it if you want? Yeah, exactly. So um, I do collect coins here and there, uh, just silver coins. My uh, current project is to c- collect the. Uh, I, I like. British half crowns. This one is a uh, Queen Victoria from 1899. Uh, I also have one from 1901 or 1900, whichever is the year she died. I don't know if it was 1900 or 1901, but I've gotten all of the British monarchs on their death year going back to, um, uh, let's see. Um, she died uh, in 1901. 1901 is when she died, Drew. one. Yeah, so I have a 1901. And then I have all the death years going back to uh, King George III. So um, I don't have it prior to King George III because they are starting to get pricey after that point. So I I will. I want to keep on going. But uh, it was easier collecting the newer ones. And you know, as they and some monarchs, they only reign for a short period of time. So those coins are much more harder to find. So anyway, mm. I collect silver coins. Um, I also collect uh, vintage video game cartridges, which I've had to also stop recently because ever since the pandemic hit, prices went all the way sky high. So I've been slowing down on those. I used to collect comic books for maybe five or six years, like around 2000 to 2006-ish, you know. 
Um, no longer, really. Although I did buy one this weekend, which is the first comic I bought in years. Hmm. But, uh, and then... Um, what did you buy, Drew? I'm curious. What did you buy? Oh, that's going to be that's, that's gonna be in the, uh, oh, um, in the, in the other stuff happening. later. Okay. okay. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, oh, every now and then I can go down kind of like a costume-making rabbit hole. I've, I really like Halloween, and I've gone overboard on several of those, both for myself and for my son. I've made several cardboard costumes for him, and most recently, last year, I made one out of uh, uh, EVA foam and did that whole thing. Uh, I was pretty involved, did LED lights and everything like that, so it's not hard for me to fall down the rabbit hole on some crafty stuff, even though I don't really know what I'm doing. Like, I don't know how to sew, but I've spent a lot of time sewing uh, my most recent Doctor Strange costume because I, I added the cape was too heavy. So, Brian, I needed to buy one of those, like, posture support brace things. Yeah. And I needed to add some rare earth magnets on that thing. to con- And so I added – I sewed pouches for the magnets on that and the cape. And, hmm. But I still have no idea what I'm doing. So I just sew and sew until, like, I feel like it's not going <laughs> to fall off. So, <laughs> yeah. anyway – that's that's a thing, and I guess gardening and kayaking is analog, but there's really no digital version of that, so maybe those don't count. But uh, oh, as far as yeah, there is. You kidding me? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I do those too. Um, I mean, Ra- Rachel's been playing Animal Crossing ever since. COVID. Oh, that's true. I guess that is digital gardening. <laughs> she believe me, she's got yeah Stardew Valley. She's Animal rearranged Crossing. her flowers and trees so many times. <clears throat> yep. Rock garden, you name it. Yep. And just like you, Brian mentioned that you, if had, if you had unlimited resources and funds, you'd probably be like a complete Lego fiend. I could easily see myself collecting vintage toys. Mm. I, I could very easily. I, I am fascinated by hmm. the like different versions. Like, oh, this one was only made through this year because this random Chinese factory, you know, didn't have enough of this one color. So, you know, mm. in 1989. Leonardo's blue mask was slightly more purpley or whatever. I, I find that just infinitely fascinating. So I could definitely fall down that rabbit hole if I had a place to put any of them, which is a good thing I don't because I don't I don't need any of that. But yeah, I'm fascinated by a lot of those sorts of things. So um, I feel like if toy, you, yeah, yeah, toys, man, that's a you gotta like you gotta like pick a lane when it comes to toys. I know I haven't picked up anything. I'll go to antique stores and I'll see a bunch of stuff that I think is fascinating. But I know that as soon as I buy one thing, yeah, I'm it. It, it will start. Now you're just, now you're in it. Well, yeah. it's one thing you'd be okay, but you buy that second thing. Like if you get yeah. like, oh yeah, this lunchbox from the eighties. You yeah. can have one of those, but if you have two of them, well now you're a collector and you need to start falling yeah. down that rabbit hole. Now I have done a couple things because. Archer, you know, he was, my kid was asking about a certain thing. He's like, oh, like, I've heard of this. You know, wouldn't it be cool if these Transformers could connect? I'm like, well, they made robots that connected to form a bigger robot, right? And he's never seen Power Rangers, but I went on eBay and I bought him a Power Rangers Megazord from like the late 90s. And he loves it. He has no, no idea what Power Rangers is, but I'm like, this is a cool toy. And it was, it was a cool toy. It was gently loved. I mean, some of the, the stickers were falling off, but he doesn't care. He has a blast with that thing. So I kind of, uh, um, kind of like uh scratch that itch by doing mm. that for him so i remember that, a friend i remember a friend who had that megazord when we were growing up and i was like man that's cool i mean yeah whether or not you care about power rangers at all it's a cool toy and they were built really well like this thing mm. you know it's what 30 years old now and it's dude, it, it, it works great and he yeah. beats that it beat he beats the heck out of it and he's th- he falls on the ground it's it's hanging in there it's solid nice, nice. what about you you got some. You got plenty of analog stuff going on. I feel like 
excuse me, I feel like most people know my analog hobbies, except for my son, apparently, which I've talked about that. <laughs> He's well aware of my hobbies. Yeah. Now. You don't, except, do you have any hobbies? Dad, you don't really have any hobbies. What are you talking about? Well, your hobbies are work. I'm like, well, yeah, you're right about that. Um, okay. So my hobbies, fountain pens, obviously, you know, I'm into that, but that's sort of my job. So I don't really count that. Um, tools, pretty much of all kind. I like tools. Um, so you've I just, never, I, you've I'm, never collected tools though. Like, like, Oh, I don't, I've never, I don't have this. You've never collected tools just to have the tool. It's always like, I need this for a project. When I, I approach buy it. it. Well, I approach most of my stuff. I approach in a very similar way. So, you know, honestly, I never noticed a pattern to my, I can't even really call it collecting. It's, it's acquiring. That's really mm-hmm. what I do. Um, cause I'm, I'm not collecting like, Oh, let me get every iteration or variation like you're talking about like oh it's made in this factory that's slightly different ah like i sort of do that with some of our pens selectively just because mm-hmm. i need them for reference and i like to know that just like as a retailer but my own personal interest is i like to have a diversity of experience and have you know whatever tool or toy or whatever i like to have a range of different experiences that give me the broadest um you know, the broadest uh, range of experiences. So like when it comes to tools, you know, like I I sort of, I don't know, not really intentionally, but I, I was doing a lot of tree work and I like to have different like hatchets, you know, just like small hatchets and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, this one's really cool, but this one's got a wooden handle as opposed to a fiberglass handle. I wonder how that feels, you know? So I would get one, you know, and so I would get all different things that are that have reason, different sizes, lengths, whatever. So I, I kind of look at it like, and I, by the time I go through and, and have all these different things, I'm like, look, and I'm like, oh, I have like 12 hatchets. Am I collecting hatchets now? Is that a thing? But really I'm just like pursuing a, a you know, greater use of the tool and the thing that I really like. Like if I bought the hatchet and it was the perfect hatchet and I loved using it, I wouldn't continue buying more because I'm not like into, you know? So it's like, I do approach it differently. It's not so much like, I, I get behind the whole story of it necessarily. It's more just like I like to use things to have a range of experiences so that I can, you know, do all kinds of different stuff. So that's that's how I always approach tools. You know, I like to have different size hammers and I like to have, you know, different sets of screwdrivers and all kinds of stuff um, just so that I can have everything at the ready and, you know, pretty much whatever tool that I'm using can be like the best tool suited for the job that I'm trying to do. Have you ever Um, said, okay, I need to complete a set of something to have everything matching? Like you, like all of everything in a series just to have that complete series, not for any practical reason. When it comes to like woodworking, any sort of, any sort of, any sort of collection at all. No, no, not really. Um, I mean, other than with, so fountain pens is probably the thing that I do that the most, just like, yeah. oh, like Lamy Safaris. It's like, oh man, I have like 80% of them. Oh, maybe I will pick up that other one, whatever. But you know, yeah. even, even that there's a, there's, there's so many like regionals and all these other specifics. And I'm like, all right, I'm not trying to get onto all of that. So I do draw a line of practicality. Somewhere. That's why you need arbitrary, re, arbitrary rules. I do. I do have some arbitrary rules. Yes. To that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, me, when it comes to like tools and stuff, there are people who are like really specific and like, oh, I need to have you know, they stick with one brand because they need everything to be the same color and they'll like build a tool holder that perfectly fits every tool and all that. And I'm like, I've tried doing that kind of stuff, but then I end up, you know, I'm like, well, you know, there's this tool, but look at this other one has this feature over here that this brand doesn't make. I want, you know, so I really, I mix all over the place in terms of brands and sizes and stuff like that. So, 
it makes my method of organization absolute chaos because I'm constantly buying stuff of different shapes and sizes and brands and I can't really standardize anything. Um, but you know, this is how I purchase it. So I got plenty of that. Um, so you've I also have like, gone down several rabbit holes. Like you, when, when you were really into photography, you would just love doing research on different types of gear, different mounting options, different, oh, sure. you know, add-ons and like, so yeah, it, while it, it's not like a collection in the traditional sense, I have seen you deep dive on so many, yeah. uh, like I guess, I guess they're all hobbies. Yeah. I mean, photography, you know, like that's you, not, you love buying accessories. I really do. Yeah. It all comes down to it's it's all scratching the same itch, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like mm-hmm. even with photography, it's like you know, that's I wouldn't consider that analog necessarily because it's all digital photography. So Yeah. Um but, you know, it's like even photography I did I'm I'm not doing that as much these days, but um you know, when I was getting into it, I was getting into like macro photography and then, you know, HDR and focus stacking and stuff like that. And it was literally getting to the point where I was, I mean, I was falling down the rabbit hole enough where I was like looking at forums of people that are like essentially building like macro photography to the point where you're basically taking a picture with a microscope. They're like people taking pictures of cells. And it was to the point where I'm like, all right, like this is, this crosses a line for me. Like I'm not going out and like, grab and sell like i think it's cool to like oh here there's like a patch of grass in the yard or whatever but when you zoom in and you look at it and you're like oh there's like a bug on the grass and oh cool you can take a close-up picture of the bug and then you can take pictures of the eyes of the bug and that's like where it starts to go in macro photography and then it's like oh the eyes of the bug and now it's like the cells of the eyes of the bug and i'm like all right this is ridiculous and it's to the point where you're basically like building a lab and like taking pictures of the microscope and i'm like nope too far too far no i just want to be able to like take close up pictures of cool things mainly cause I like don't want to travel anywhere. So I'm like, Oh, I can take pictures of lots of things really close up in a small space without having to go anywhere. Um, anyway, that was a tangent, but, um, yeah, but it is kind of that way. I like to, I like to accessorize and, in, in, you know, basically hone, hone whatever experience with tools and stuff like that, that I can. So yeah, I do have like tools for like woodworking, like very specifically woodworking. So I have like a woodworking, you know, specific tools for that purpose. But then I have, you know, like landscaping. I do like a lot of outdoor work just for my own physical stuff. So I have like sort of different, I don't consider like chainsaws and hatchets and stuff like that to be necessarily the same as tools for, you know, like table saw and, you know, woodworking chisels and stuff like that. Those are very purpose built. So I have sort of two, two tangential interests um, that overlap there. Um, puzzles. You just saw me with a bunch of them earlier. This you definitely collect those. That was that was sort of accidental as well. And again, that scratches the same itch where it's like, oh, if they have this one, but it's like, you know, that, well, this one's got more layers to it, or it's got this slight variant to it. And so I have I have some puzzles that are the same. You know, like a three by three classic Rubik's cube. I have several different variations of that. But even with that, it's like I'll. You know, I have I have like 10 three by three cues, but it's all different brands and different colors and stuff like that because I'm like trying to find the one that I like the most. So, again, that still still does the same thing where it's like that whole breadth of experience. Um, that's that's been my acquisition strategy there. And now I have something like 130 different puzzles, I think. Yeah, it's a lot, but they're really cheap. You know, most of them um, you're talking like eight bucks, 10 bucks, you know, so it's like a new puzzle comes out and you're like, oh, OK, that's kind of cool. Why not? Yeah. And it's like, you know, simple enough where I can like, oh yeah, kids, you can get me this for like a father's day gift or whatever. 
as opposed to like, you can get me a new handle for this random woodworking chisel. Like, no, no one wants to buy you that. That's the problem with having really obscure hobbies is people don't know what to buy you for gifts and they're just annoyed by your hobbies. Um, so that Lego Technic, I have a bunch of Lego Technic kits. I do enjoy those, but I've pretty well reached my capacity for practicality in terms of storage and stuff like that. So now I still love Lego Technic. I would love to just like build somebody's Lego Technic like once and then I'd be good. I just enjoy the process of building it. And then once I built it, I might like take it apart and build the alternate kit. And then I'll build it back to the A kit and, you know, the B kit and stuff like that. But then it just kind of sits there and it's cool, but I'm not like playing with it every day. You know, I just, I appreciate the engineering and just all the intentionality, how well just the the tactile feel like the snapping of the, like the Lego pieces together is like, oh, so satisfying. So I do enjoy that. Um, But now it's like, you know, they have some really cool, I love vehicles. I love cranes, like Lego cranes. They're like my favorite, the Technics cranes. I don't know why. I love them, but yeah. So I have several Lego Technic cranes. So if there's like a really, really cool crane kit that comes out, I'll be like, yeah, I might need to get that. But now they'll have like some vehicles and I'm like, oh, it's like a, like a Jeep Wrangler type thing. I'm like, it's a cool, it's a cool kit, but it's like, I'm not a Jeep guy. And like, I'm really, you know, and it's like, that's the kind of thing where you're like, well, they're, they're built, they're, they're doing that for like. Now if they came out with really a Pontiac Aztec, G- that would be another story. <laughs> they definitely wouldn't do that. Um, you know, but if they came out with like a vehicle, like if they came, so if they came out with a Lego Technic that was like a 1994 gray McLaren F1. Oh, like there we go. That, the McLaren I would F1. get that. <laughs> but like they had the Bugatti Veyron, right? Or the, maybe it was a Chiron. I can't remember. I don't very, know. I've never... very cool car, but that kit was like $380, but it's like 3,600 pieces. It's a very comprehensive kit. That would be a lot of fun, but I'm like. I don't like that car enough to justify that. Like if it's a car or a vehicle or something that I really love, you know, that's where I would do it at this point. But anyway, and then, you know, I do some welding. That's a very practical thing. It's not, I'm not really not collecting uh, anything there, but I have, you know, some variety of, you know, tungstens and different filler rods and stuff that I'll do just to, so I can like get some experience on it, but there's there's really not really a collecting nature to that. That's a very utilitarian, like I'm using this to, to build something, create something. Um, and um, I got into cycling for a while there in my early 30s. I did a lot of cycling. But even that, like cycling is a whole rabbit hole. You can fall down. And I never really got into the like cycling culture. I did it just really for weight loss and just for the activity of it. And so I'd still mountain bike and do cycling and stuff like that. I have a couple of bikes, but I'm not like keeping up with it or collecting it in any way. So I, I do enjoy it as an analog hobby but it's more just for the fitness of it it's not so much for the the hobby nature of it so but i always i mean believe me i always start slipping down that slope and if i don't have any boundaries and if i don't have any guardrails for myself i will fall down this the, the hill whatever metaphor we're going with here and uh that's my natural tendency so unless i have some clear like nope this is it you've this is the purpose that this interest serves yep and now it's time to move on or it's like Actually, you know, like the puzzle thing, I really didn't mean to get all into puzzles, but it just happened to work and with COVID and I'm home a lot and, you know, that kind of thing. It was a stress reliever. got my mind off things. It just kind of, it was something to get excited about and work and build towards and challenge myself in a way that was different. So, um, you know, I kind of 
inadvertently fell down that rabbit hole. So I kind of go with it if it strikes me. But I know. completely agree. And I've had those guardrails on everything. Like I wanted to buy these four Ninja Turtle figures that looked really mm. realistic from the 1990 film. But I mm. said, you know what? I'm just going to get these four Ninja Turtles. Not going to get any of the villains or whatever. Just these four. Boom, done. With my Funko Pops, I was like, I'm only going to get main characters from 1980s mm. films. And that's what I've stuck with. Okay. With the video games, I only buy cartridges, no discs, just cartridges. And then my 1984 VHSs, I'm limiting just 1984, just one shelf. Like, I have to have rails. If I don't have rails, I would be bankrupt. So we don't need that. <laughs> there you go. Anyway, right. uh, you ready for question number five? Let's do it, man. Let's do it. All right. Our old friend, the Torpedo Monkey, is back again asking us, <laughs> has the Goulet Pen Company ever considered having an in-house nibmeister? Of course we have. My gosh. <laughs> many, you know many much, times. You know how much I would enjoy having an in-house nibmeister? Brian and I have been talking about this for years. Oh my gosh, yeah. I mean, like, from the get, I mean, we were, I mean, from very early on, we wanted an in-house nibmeister. Uh, for one, there's not that many nibmeisters out there. Um, and most of them that are already doing it, well, very few of them are actually doing it full time of the ones that are, they're very planted wherever they are. And it's doing, having a remote in-house, well, it's not even an in-house Nibmeister at that point. Um, it's an out of, out, outhouse Nibmeister. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't call that. That's a bad connotation. Uh, uh, not exactly in our house Nibmeister. Uh, so that's not really it either. You, you, you would really, in order to do this right, we would need to have somebody on site messing with pens every single day. I say someone, I mean probably multiple people because... You know, there's probably a lot of pens and a lot of interest that we would have if we actually started offering that as a service. Um, and frankly, it just takes time to do that work. So there's just, you reach a, a, a just physical and mental capacity for doing that work that we would probably hit relatively quickly. Um, so yeah, it's something we've conceived of for a very long time. But the practicality of making it happen has been very, very difficult. Um, so yeah, I mean, super interested. We've talked about literally Drew and I talked about it this week and we're talking about like, man, what would that look like? And, and all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, definitely would be interested. We've, you know, I've done training with different advisors. Drew's had some training, um, which we've been able to put to good use just for our own, you know, tweaking and testing and fixing and stuff like that here and there as it's been practical, just so we have better knowledge so that we can talk to manufacturers and, you know, give them a better idea of when we're seeing issues, but in terms of like actually doing custom grinds or fixes or, you know, offering any kind of a service, we're just not there. And there's a whole like business development aspect to it that the, the, the economics of it would have to work out, you know, the time and expense and all that. And, you know, the biggest thing honestly is training because most of the Nibmeisters, they train for hundreds, if not thousands of hours, just practicing on their own before they get to the point where, you know, they start charging for some of these services. Um, and, you know, that's all time. Like, I, I know what it takes to start your own business. You, you put in probably years of work before you ever start getting paid for anything just to get that experience up. So, you know, most people, by the time they actually do that and they're doing nibs as a service, they're pretty much off and running. They don't necessarily need to get, you know, to do it full time for somebody else. Um, but if you are, <laughs> if you are open to that, please give me a ring. Um, but, uh, you know, I think that... Uh, the more realistic option for us would probably be to train somebody in-house, which is difficult on a couple of fronts. Because number one, we we know some of the principles of how to do it, but we don't know it necessarily well enough to train someone to be a master at it. So we could 
lessen the learning curve of somebody learning it, but they're still going to have to spend quite a bit of time, you know, learning it themselves, which, you know, theoretically we could set them up doing that, but it's, you know, there's a, there's a lot of risk involved doing that, um, from our, our end. And, you know, it's a lot of time for somebody who's not, not necessarily done that work. It's, it's very demanding work and it's, it's very intensive. It's hard on your eyes. It's hard on your back. It's hard on your brain. And, uh, you know, for somebody that, you know, probably if we could find somebody that's in like the jeweling world, like somebody that does similar, like really detailed work like that, then that would be like the best chance that we would have of training somebody up to do it. But, you know, just to train even, you know, our own folks that we've had on our team to do some of it in-house, you know, basically it's like, you know, to, to go from doing like a normal desk job to doing that type of thing every day, it's a big leap. And Drew and I have, yeah. have done enough of it to know that like even just training for a couple of days doing it, you're like, oh my gosh, this is such demanding work. Yeah, nobody in the building right now did we hire with the intention of putting them in a room by themselves doing tedium every day. And that that's what it would take. And it's that yeah. that's not for everybody. Yeah, because it's you got to not only have the, the interest and the acumen for it, but you have to like actually have the skill too, which is not everybody has the skill. So it's, it's tough. It's been really tough to find somebody that has that skill. Um, and so we haven't quite found the right situation yet. I mean, I've tried to build relationships with people who do it, you know, more full time, start those conversations about, Hey, have you ever had any interest in, you know, doing it kind of like, Hey, uh, maybe someday you could come and do it for us kind of a thing, but it's, it's never gotten solid enough in a conversation where that's actually been realistic possibility. Um, but so dreaming, yeah, absolutely. Like I would make it happen tomorrow if we had all the right things fall into place. But, um, you know, we've had a lot of other things and just the long ramp up time and everything involved with logistics of doing it. It's going to require a lot of time and a lot of focus. And we just haven't been able to make that happen with other projects we've had going on. So it's it's definitely not something that I'm ruling out as like a no forever, but I'm pretty much resigned to the fact at this point, we're going to have to like build it up in house. Um, if we are going to make it happen. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see. But if you know anybody, email us at <laughs> yeah, pancastagillians.com. Yeah, <laughs> you know, one of the, one of the most impressive things that I find about people who can do this full time is that they can somehow have their first nib of the day, uh, have their last nib of the day be just as good as their first nib of the day. That just blows my mind because I can't even back when I was trying to, you know, just goofing around trying to draw a comic or something like it, just a comic strip on a paper, I would yeah. start, you know, and the first panel up in the top left would look pretty good. And then the panel down in the bottom right, just, no, it's just, it's a sloppy piece yeah. of garbage just because I, you can't, not everybody can just maintain. It just takes such a massive yeah. amount of mental and physical energy to be able to be consistent yeah. And after well, spending time with you doing nib training at various places throughout the U.S., honestly, uh, that's one thing that in my experience, like I can, I can crank out a good nib or two, but what I cannot do is just have them exactly the same every time. The consistency, I, I, yeah. I wish I, that, that, is, that, is, that is a superpower. Well, you would, need, you would need to spend a lot of time practicing. Yeah. And that's what, every nib, that's what every nib meister that we talk to says. You know? And there's an expression, I don't know where it comes from originally, but it says you don't practice until you can do it right. You practice until you can't do it wrong. Ooh. And I think that's that's what nibmeistering really boils down to is you need to do it so much to where you literally can't do it wrong. So, that sounds yeah. impossible. 
it's very difficult. Very few achieve <laughs> that, quite honestly. Um, and I got mad respects for anybody that does nib work. It's incredibly difficult. So, um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. These are uh, these are all aspirations that we'll see one day. All right. And in, in an alternate timeline, I think I probably could have been interested to be a nibmeister. I don't know if I would actually have the acumen to do it long term because I don't. I think you know my my nature of just doing different things is probably wouldn't keep me in it for very long. I would get bored once it was just the same thing day after day after day. I love the process of learning it and getting good at it, but then I would probably get bored after a year or two of actually doing it every day. But I think I would have, you know, I, I may have gone down that route had things gone a little differently in the fountain pen, like retail space. Like if, if it had not picked up as quick as it did and I had seen like, nibmeistering as a better option for me to go down that route i could have seen i could have seen that as a possibility for myself yeah you're you're much more handy than i am just a much more tactile doer of things with your yeah i got a lot yeah exactly even just like the puzzles and all the stuff like i do i do a lot of stuff with my hands but it's the yeah it's the consistency and the the satisfaction of doing the same thing day in and day out that that that's probably would probably struggle so it's the, you got to be the right very right person to do that kind of work so cool all right well good good we question got, good question indeed that's all we got for q a now we've got a very contextualized hypothetical let's get into it Okay, so this one came in a couple weeks ago. I've been hanging on to it. This one was in our YouTube comment section from Mandy, and I instantly fell in love with this. So it's a bit wordy, so bear with me, but she she lays it out pretty well. Hypothetically, you receive a strange letter in the mail from an unknown distant relative's estate telling you you have come to the reading of a will that you have to come to a reading of a will. Upon arrival, you learn that your unknown distant relative knew of you and your passion for fountain pens, and they have bequeathed you a pen butler. But you must choose which butler, one who will grind and tune any of your fountain pens or one who will thoroughly clean all of your fountain pens. So that is the, that's the, uh, the crux of this. A butler that will clean all your pens or grind all your pens. Rules. You cannot switch after you choose, Brian. Hmm. The pen butler would serve you for the rest of your life. They would be extremely well compensated by the estate, which has no chance of running out. They have consented, important, and by secret pen butler society magic, they are immortal and will be able to serve you for their full for your full lifetime. Hmm. Both would be absolute masters of their field. The nib master can grind and fix any issue while the cleaner can remove every trace of even the most crusted on shimmery, sheeny ink from the most complex filling mechanisms. Both would be on service 24-7, 365 days a year. You cannot sell or gift their service in any way by the same secret pen butler society magic. And any pen that leaves your ownership will instantly revert any work they did. Oh, so you can't just like, I can't, I can't have a loophole to hear to have. No, Mandy knows you, Brian. Mandy's been paying attention. Mandy's been, this is not her first pen cast rodeo. Did you specifically pick this to be after the Nibmeister question? Because this could, (laughs) this could solve my, this could solve my dilemma here. No, you can't, you can't sell any of these 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 are just for you. Ah, okay. Just for you. Are you going to have your pen butler be the tuning grinding pen butler or the cleaning pen butler? I'm not going to lie. The grinding thing is very appealing because that would be really fun. There's a lot of cool grinds, even stuff that you can't really even get anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, vintage stuff. That would be a lot of fun. But I really have a lot of pens to clean. So that's probably where I would go. I would use a lot more inks. 
uh, on a regular basis if I didn't have to spend as much time cleaning my pens. So mm-hmm. I would say that would probably be the route that I would go, would be the, the pen cleaner. Now, yeah. would they clean Rachel's pens too? Or is this literally just my pens? Because then I would still have to clean Rachel's pens. Not that Let's that solves see, my I, problem either way. but So, so Mandy didn't cover this, but I'm going to say that um, since the pen butler would likely be in your in your home, uh, in my household would it cover the whole household. It can, yeah, it can probably. Okay. It can, I would say it can serve the household. Sure. Okay, fair enough. I know she doesn't care about the grinding thing, so yeah, the pen cleaning. Yeah. Well, she already has a pen cleaning butler. It's me, so you know she won't care either way. So, <laughs> I would go with the. I would go with the pen. The pen cleaning butler. Just you know that would be that would be pretty great. I feel like I would use that. I would use that service quite a bit. Yeah, it's tough for me because I have found a system that I like, just having three pens inked up at any given time. That, that makes it so that the aspect of or the prospect of cleaning pens is not an intimidating one. And that's mm. the whole reason I did start only having three pens inked up at any time is so that it wasn't an intimidating prospect. So I wonder if I had a pen cleaning butler, would I then not worry about cle- keeping three pens inked up? And would I just kind of just go nuts and use everything all the time? That, that would be nice. However, I... I kind of am very comfortable with the whole three pen thing. So it, I've, it's just normal to me now. So I think that since it feels so normal and so routine for me now, I would probably go with the, the grinding route so that I could just have um, all of my pens work flawlessly all the time. Hmm. And That's true. Uh, that would be pretty yeah. nice. That would, that would be nice. However, I will say there are some pens I don't use because they're a pain in the butt to clean, and I just kind of mm. don't deal with them. A lot mm. of the pens that are real, that are kind of hard to disassemble. Um, so, but do you have some? Oh, pe- is, do you have do you have some pens you don't use because you don't love the way they write though? Like you could you could uh, use it that you could use it for that. I, I do. For, it, it's more it's more about flow than the actual tipping. But I'm I'm sure that uh, somebody who's super talented can can compensate oh, yeah. for that. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. Um, that's really. I normally I'm I'm much more quick than you are with hypotheticals. Look at, this, look at me being the decisive one. It's <laughs> like Mercury one, in retrograde tough. or something. Like this what's one's going tougher on? for me. This one is tougher for me because I can't. I'm like trying to like figure out the chicken or the egg with me and my three pen system, right? So do I want to keep my pen three system or use the cleaning butler butler to mm. abandon my three pen system? Yeah, but you've also um, got some nib experience, so yeah, I can usually get my nibs to work. If you didn't have time, if you didn't have to spend the time cleaning your pen, you could theoretically have more time tuning your own pens. Hmm? Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe. And I don't, and I don't really need a bunch of different grinds. I, I think my grinds are fine. I would just need to make sure everything's tuned all right. You know what? I'm going to go with cleaning. I'm going to go with cleaning. I think that I would just, mm. just v- being able to very easily try a new ink, try a new pen that I just you know, on a whim, want to write with just for a day and just be able to put it aside for a flawless, immaculate cleaning. Yeah, I'm going to go with cleaning. I didn't think I would. When I first read this, I'm like, oh, well, definitely tuning because I don't, I, don't, I don't care about cleaning. I only use three pens at a time. What if, now, they could, what if they could grind like, okay, we're obviously suspending reality with this whole question, but what if they could grind, like say you had something that's an extra fine and you were like, oh, I'd really like this to be a coarse nib and they could theoretically like mm-hmm. grind something to be something that is actually impossible to right like to upgrind it um right no i would still still stick with the cleaning still stick with the cleaning wow all right yeah welcome to yeah camp cleaning over here oh man i didn't think i was gonna say that but i did after we just talked about how much we need an in-house nibmeister what flip floppers (laughs) we are it sounds like what we need is an in-house pen cleaner 
That sounds like yeah. the more obvious. That's that's the lower hanging fruit here, Drew. I wouldn't say no to that. That'll it's be the literally. job I have when I'm like, you know, 89 working here and Ellie knows that it's the only thing I'm good for anymore. Yeah, Ellie will have too much pity on Drew. Like, my dad hired him <laughs> back when they were in the garage. He's not much good anymore, but he will <laughs> clean my pens. So we'll just keep him over there and he'll talk to himself while, yep. he, cleans his, while he cleans Ellie's pens. Yep, that's this, fine. At this point, um, Ellie, Ellie will have staged a coup and kicked me out of the company. Yeah, and Joseph will be her, you know, uh, chief operating officer or whatever, because he'll do whatever she'll ask him to do. Yeah, and he'll just be like, "Oh, Ellie, come on!" He used to, you know, listen to me talk about Sonic all the time. Keep him on; he can clean pens, right? And she's like, "Oh, fine," but if but he's your responsibility, Joseph. I'm like Joseph's only direct report. <laughs> the old old Rip Van Winkle pen cleaner. <laughs> anyway, all right, well, well fun stuff. That was our hypothetical. That was a fun one. Thank you, Mandy. Indeed. Uh, we got a pen spotlight for y'all this week. We are going to do, uh, well, yeah, we'll do that. We'll pen spotlight. Here's the segment. All right. I don't like catch myself there because it's like, wait, we're going to insert a little music transition or something here. You know, this is a little weird. When we record these things, we don't like play the transition. It's not like we're radio DJs and we're like I listening in to my the head. sound bites. We put it in in post after the fact. So we have to intentionally... Drew and I both have to like awkwardly stop and like come to a conclusion and then sit there for a couple of seconds, like staring at each other. Okay, now we're on to the next thing. Anyway, no one cares, but this is what we do. So um, Pen Spotlight, um, last week I mentioned the 10th anniversary Platinum 3776 and how I'd heard from others and Drew who had used the nib when I hadn't that uh, the nib was a little softer than Platinum's typical 14 karat nib. We talked about it being the softer than hard and harder than soft somewhere there in between. Sure. It's not advertised as a different nib, but I heard through the grapevine that it was slightly softer. So I wanted to ink it up for myself and I did. It's a very different nib. It is. It is indeed. Um, So yeah, I was thinking I might, uh, Throw my phone up here and just shoot some, <clears throat> shoot some B-roll, and that we can maybe overlay. Since I literally so have the, the literally have the pen inked up and can actually show the, you what it, the pen it itself has some '90s vibes to it, but not like not like uh, kind of like neon '90 vi- '90s vibes. More like <coughs> um, like a posh hotel room '90s vibes, where everything was like glossy black and gold uh like, like, like a lot a of late 80s early 90s contemporary yes 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 style yep yeah not the pop culture 90s no it makes me think of like uh ray liotta's house and goodfellas or something like that a lot of like <laughs> glass and black and gold you know that whole vibe where yeah everything needed to be glossy glossy black and gold and it, but it go. has those like weird hump humpy bumps on it so i guess it, it, it definitely has a th- yeah humpy bump it's got it's definitely got a throwback vibe to it visually but uh that, that's just, the pen itself the nib is really the thing most worth talking Drew, about you're, though, like, you're because, like a picasso with words here Drew. it's just yeah it's like, i'm it's i'm like, uh absolutely like, a word, wordsmith <laughs> a humpy bumpy contemporary you know not neon anyway so right. I'm trying to I'm covering for you, Brian. Is what I'm doing. You're you're you're, you're gallivanting. Time. You're, a, you're gallivanting about with your filling time. I should have set up my telephone sooner. Whatever, it's fine. 
Um, so yeah, I've got the You're yeah. Here you can see the the humpy bumps here get, that you're talking no respect. about. Um, stylistically, not my favorite pen. If I'm being honest with you, I think it's fine. But again, it's a, it's got a very specific styling to it that's just not necessarily my personal taste. Um, but I appreciate it for what it is. So this is a pen mm-hmm. from my personal collection. So I did decide to to acquire one of these for my own use. Um, but it was not necessarily the design that was the draw for me. It was the nib. All about the, the nib. Way that it functions. I will say though, the actual design on the nib itself, I love. I, I love this a, nib. Attractive nib. I really Absolutely. love it. Yeah. Love the way that it looks, the 10th anniversary thing. I love anniversary nibs. I've got some like Pilot. I've got their 90th anniversary pen, um, you know, and I just, I, I really like the style that they have. Um, you know what I hate about it, Brian? Please tell me what you hate, Drew. I hate that it's not going to be on all 3776s here yeah. to four after. Would be nice, wouldn't it? Here to four, here to four? in so, perpetuity. So this is their fine nib. I don't even know which other pens this will be on in the future, if any. Um, so we'll see. I don't know if it's the only one that I know of right now is it's on this pen. But I don't know if it'll be on others. So, um, yeah, I just I have it inked up. I, I inked it up, and I, I kind of killed two birds with one stone here, Drew. I wanted to use with the um, pen? one of the new, <laughs> not literally, figuratively. Oh, um, I used one of the Sailor Monio inks. I know I'm like crossing brands here. It's just like total, um, what's the word? Taboo? Yeah, no, not so. No? no, wait, what's the word? Uh, I can't remember the word. Anyway, it'll come to me later. Um, so it's kind of a no-no. Okay, I was supposed to. It actually even comes with a bottle of ink, which I could have could have easily used, uh, but I wanted to use this ink. So um, the dual shading Monyo ink, I chose Fuji. Honestly, Ooh, that's the, a good one. All the four new ones are pretty great. Now, I will say yeah. the lighting here makes this look really gray. So I don't go with the color accuracy. Faux pas. Yeah, don't go with the color accuracy of what your, your my phone is showing here. Were but, you looking for faux pas, Brian? No, I was thinking of Dang some it. other word. I was thinking of some right, I'm just going to keep shouting words at you while you're trying to talk. Don't okay. mind me. That's fair. Um, <laughs> I already can't write and talk at the same time, let alone when I have somebody yelling at me. Um, <laughs> That's what I'm <laughs> That's what I'm so, here for, buddy. Super smooth nib. Very, very consistent flow. Um, you know, platinum, I, I, they they always have really good performing nibs anyway, but usually they're pretty stiff. That's like the only complaint I ever really have. Not even complaint. It's my only like preferential discrepancy that I ever feel with any of platinum's nibs. I personally, my favorite platinum nibs are the soft nibs that they do. So mm-hmm. this nib to me is kind of like, yeah, this is exactly what I want. Like if they if they changed all their nibs to feel like this, I would not be unhappy. Right, um, that's what I'm saying. That's the only thing that makes me mad about this nib. I love it too much. Yeah, yeah, I'm kind of with you. And, I've always um, thought that the Platinum 3776 nib has been a little kind of, I don't know, not lacking, but it could be more. It could be better. And but this see, is that. This is what I've always wanted on a Platinum. I like, so even though it's not my per- the normal nib, even though it's not my personal preference, I I get it. I get why people really like the way that it is. I appreciate that it knows what it is and, you know, it's got its own kind of following and stuff like that. Not unlike Sailor. Sailor's nibs, they write very specifically like Sailor nibs. That's true. Pilot nibs are different. So they all kind of have their their own lane, right? That's true. Um, that's true. The big the big three Japanese brands all have distinct feels on the page. Yeah. And I, I suppose it's wrong for me to want platinum to be like Sailor, but 
I do. Yeah. So um, as I'm writing with it, I will say the um, the nib is very bouncy. So oh boy, I'm trying to write and talk at the same time. That do you think like, it's more bouncy than a standard Pilot nib, like a A23? No, I would say it's pretty similar. Honestly, that's that's kind of how I thought. I thought that it yeah. was more like how a gold nib normally feels, because platinum gold nibs are usually far on the more stiff side of the gold nib spectrum. It feels almost like, mm-hmm. like why gold then if it's going to be so rigid? Yeah, I mean that's kind of how I feel about it. I enjoy the feel of a very bouncy, very smooth gold nib. That's just my personal preference, though, and. Um, I've come to learn that not everybody wants it to feel that way. So, um, yeah. So anyway, and I, I don't really know how to describe it much better than this right now, but you can at least see here, you know, you get a little bit of line variation. Um, when I write with it, just, you know, under its own pressure, the line is, you know, thin, just like you would expect from a Japanese fine nib. This is in five millimeter dot paper as well. When I give it a little bit of pressure, I do get a little bit darker line. I get, you know, it broadens up to maybe twice the size of the line width. Um, you know, I wouldn't necessarily write with it that way. It's not a flex nib. It's really not what it's made for, but you can do that if you want to like sign your name in a fancy way or do a word here and there. It's got that in the bag. It's got that capability, not unlike maybe the Pilot E95S or something like that, where you can like, you can get it out of there every now and then but it's really not made to be done like that over and over. Um, but it gives you a nice little variety. You can, you know, if you got a heavier hand, you can get a little more ink out on the page and, um, you know, it gives you a little bit of variety. It's fun to write with, feels a little bouncy. So, you know, just, it feels to me, it just feels like a really kind of fun writing experience. And uh, it, it's yeah. probably the most fun I've ever had writing with a platinum pen. Really? The most? Absolutely. I mean, I, I do love their small gold nibs that you'll find mm-hmm. on like the Kanazawa leaf pens. Yeah. So I do like that. That that has been up until now my favorite platinum nib. But okay. now I can. Those absolutely are good too. Say they're, they're, those are pretty bouncy as well. Those, those are. Uh, I don't like the way the feed creeps so far up to the nib on those. Fair enough. It, it, Fair enough. Some, if you write with a low angle, your feed can actually knock against the paper, which I don't like. This yeah. one though is so much fun to write with, and it looks so good. Like I've always said, the the Peniter quill nib has been my favorite visually speaking this one though is right up there and i actually like the way it performs better than paniter so i don't know if i'm just honeymooning on this one right now but i just <laughs> love it and bit. i think that i'm i'm extra in love with it because i want more of it like platinum i think Trying to like really somehow convince yes, them I, like like they're watching I, I just, i'm just, right I'm just putting it out there in the universe i'm just putting my <laughs> appreciation for this nib out into the ether so that it can it can last forever. I think and that then, this should be an ongoing thing. I know you can't see this, Drew, but I took the ink and I just dropped some of it on a paper towel, so you can get a little bit of a, uh, you know, cr- what is it called? A chrom- chromatic effect, chromatographic effect. Cro- chromatographic, like, yes, definitely. That. that that's definitely not a word. No, but, no. Um, you can see the very strong like teal halo that's kind of coming out from the purple there. Um, you know, given how much it's not. Truly showing easily on the paper. Um, you can at least see on the paper towel here just what that dual shading component kind of looks like. So Yeah, it's a fun one. Pretty neat. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever done that, Drew. Here, I'll show you. Oh, yeah. Look at how much color is coming out of there. Isn't that cool? Oh, for sure. When I when I swabbed all these, I had a very messy paper towel. <laughs> there you go. All right. So that's it. It's, a, it's an expensive pen. It's a $500 pen. You know, limited edition kind of a thing. So it's like, is it worth $500 just for that nib? No. You know, you can get a cool writing experience in, in a lot of other ways. But if you're a fan of platinum and you want the different experience and you like the collectability of it and you like the style, I think it's worth a look. 
There you go. Agreed. Agreed. All right. On to the nonsense, Drew. What's happening? Well, did I tell you that I went to my wife's musical theater show and it got rained out? You did, yeah. You mentioned I did, that. yeah. Okay, so why, mm-hmm. why I did that again, my son and I went a second time. It did not get rained out this time, so I did get to see her Good. whole performance. And I was more prepared for the hot weather. It wasn't as hot as it was the first time around, but... Well, last time, you went, at, last time you went, it was like at the end of a day with like your brothers and like you... It was, oh, like, yeah, a whole, it was, a, it was like a whole event. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. it was still hot, but I actually dug out ye olde white linen shirt, Brian. Well, look yeah. at you testing out the advice I, from the comments. I did, and uh, it, it took care of business, man. I was nice and yeah? comfortable the whole time, yeah. Okay, okay. So that, that worked out well. She did a great job. It was actually packed because they had been, uh, they had to, uh, uh, <clears throat> they had to cancel that show the prior day, I think, or something like that. And mm. uh, no, no, it was raining the prior day. Hardly anyone showed up because they thought it would be canceled. So everybody showed up on the day I went. So it was packed. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah. So anyway, that was good. That was great. Uh, some fun updates. Because I, I told you, and it's fun for me anyway. I told you I was looking to transfer these video, these old video cassettes onto a digital format, right? Yeah. So still not a lot of progress with like half my tapes, but the other half my tapes, the older ones. So I have these like VHS-C tapes, the ones that kind of fit into the VHS converter, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, those I can actually take to my local library. They have a media center there where you can do all that digital, con- that you can do digital conversion for free. That's awesome. Right? So that's not the majority of my tapes. I still have 45 of the Digital 8 High 8 tapes. So oh I still got to deal with that. That's like, uh, I've still got to figure that out. But I still have at least 20 of the old VHSC tapes. So boom, those are, I just got to take a day to go to the library, bring a thermos of coffee and just get it done, man. It's going to take, because you have to watch them all in real time to transfer them. So I was going to say uh, a day, like how long are these tapes? That's 20 tapes. That's that's a lot oh, of footage. If, if if the tapes are full, it's an hour a tape. Yeah, that's twenty hours, man. That's more than no, a day. Oh, I know, I know. And not all of them are full, but uh, mm. and yeah. So anyway, wow, it'll be a project. But hey, free. Thank you. Wow, um, what is on these tapes? I'm very curious. Oh, to a see. bunch of random crap. But you're going to be in some of them because I have. I was going to uh, say I remember you walking around with this camera in school. Oh yeah, no, you're going to be in some of them. I have our New York trip uh, on there. Oh, um, okay. So I know you were there for that one. Uh, I was. I don't remember much of that. It was it was chorus and drama. You you were there with chorus. I was there with drama. Um, and mm-hmm. I definitely have some videos of uh, Jeremy's house with you playing in your band. So yes, I remember that. I think I've, I've seen. Were, I think I've seen some of that footage at some point. I don't remember. Were where. you on the roof that one time? I wasn't was, on the roof. That was Michael. I think so. Okay. Anyway, I'm not a so, I'm not a roof goer myself. <laughs> I always keep okay. I keep my feet firmly planted on the ground at all times. And then uh, at the library, I also rented um, an audiobook for the first time at the library. I rented Game of Thrones, and because I, you know, I've seen the series multiple times and tried to read the books what before you, I'd seen the series. What did you rent it on? Like what? Here's that. Twenty twenty eight CDs. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 28 CDs? It looks like, it looks, it's like that thick. And it's, it's a collection of 20. How long is this book? uh, It's like 20 hours, I think, something like that. 
I guess um, I've listened to twenty hour audiobooks, but never on yeah, the yeah. CD. I've never I've only I've only ever done the audible thing, but I'm like, hey, it's free. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to uh listen to the whole thing before it's due back, but uh I don't know. So I was just like, what the heck? I'm I'm wow. I'm already here, it's free. Uh so yeah, I have a tw- I have twenty eight discs in my car right now, and I'm gonna try to try to make go through those. Wow, gee, I wonder why we ever moved away from CDs. Twenty eight, man. I thought okay. I thought at first you were gonna say cassettes. That's honestly what I thought was gonna come out of your mouth. Books on tape. Yeah. No. Wow. Um, Did you know? And then, fun fact, oh. Drew. Fun fact: there are more public libraries in the U.S. than there are McDonald's. Really? Yep. That's amazing. That that's an uplifting fact right there, Brian. It's a lot of it's a lot of libraries. That's fantastic. It's a lot of CDs on on books on CD. <laughs> a lot of twenty eight pack CDs. Yeah. yeah, man. And then I bought a comic book. I haven't bought a comic since the uh, comic Invincible ended uh, years ago. So, but I had been following this one, and I knew that when it was collected, you know, in a uh, hardcover, I was going to buy it. And it is a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles book, Brian. Okay. It is called The Last Ronin, and it is about one turtle, the remaining turtle. His brother's have been killed and he's the last one seeking vengeance for his brothers wait which are they all brothers the ninja turtles of course they're brothers they are i didn't know that yes oh come on how did you i guess i'm a very casual fan brian i've had nothing they're just buddies yeah i don't know teenagers hang out i just thought they were like friends i don't know Mm-mm-mm. They're For turtles. Shame, sir. I didn't overthink it. I didn't overthink it. I didn't. They I didn't, are brothers. I didn't know the backstory. Well, really? anyway. they're all four brothers. Did turtles have that? Many? I guess they. Yeah, turtles lay eggs. So I guess they lay a bunch of eggs. That kind of <laughs> makes sense. I don't think they were thinking about that when they made the comic. But yeah, sure. But yes, they are brothers, and the comic is about you know some. It's in the future, but there's only one left, Brian. The other ones have been killed, and there's one going on a seeking vengeance, righteous vengeance. Which one? The death is left? of his brothers. Ah, that's the thing. I'm not going to spoil it for anybody who wants to read it because it's real good. You're not spoiling it for anybody. No one, no one cares. That's not true. No one's going to read this. Ah, uh, that's not true. I bet <laughs> you there's kidding. at least one person out there who has read it. It's a that good, is true. It's a good. That's true. Um, okay. So anyway, that was that was a rad read. Um, uh, yeah. And Fun. yeah, and I will be. Um, let's see. This weekend, I'm going to the DC Pen Show, Brian. That is hey, that's a thing. That is a thing, and I will be there. Um, uh, late, late, late Friday. So no one will probably see me Friday because I'm not going to be getting there until midnight because my wife has another concert and I have to go to that first. Well, I don't have to. I'm choosing to go to. She insisted that I don't need to, but obviously no, I'm going you ha- to. No, you have to. Yeah, obviously. You know you have to. Um, so I'm going to leave right from there, drive up to D.C., and I'll be there all day Saturday and probably the first half of the day on Sunday. That's awesome. So, yeah. If you see me, say hi. I will have some pencast stickers with me if you want one say hi say give me a sticker bro and i'll give you a sticker or to say some random bingo entry from a pencast yes just scream turkey hammock from across the room i will track you down like who said that who was that (laughs) you know who you are that's right (laughs) anyway but i'll be there yeah and i will see you leave as you go to the show because i'm not going no womp womp i was gonna go I was going to go, to be fair. You were going to go, and then you weren't. I had full intentions of going. And then you going, didn't. Made plans and everything, and then didn't happen. So 
Anyway, are okay. you done? I didn't want to like take over your segment. I'm done. I'm done. 100 finished. Good, 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 bad segue. Bad, good segue. Um, sure. Yeah, I was gonna go to the DC show. There's no one reason why I'm not going. Um, it's kind of just like a whole bunch of smaller reasons that added up into. I just probably shouldn't go. Taking care of family. I got some personal stuff. Um, you know, taking some time off to be with my family and some extended family and they've all had like COVID exposure and stuff. So being in a giant room filled with lots and lots and lots of people, you know, no one was like, no, Brian, you definitely shouldn't go. But they were like, eh, maybe not the best idea right before you see a bunch of family and all that kind of stuff. And so I was like, all these things kind of added up. And I was like, plus we got a lot of just things going on at work and had a lot of um, projects on my plate. So it's like, it all kind of added up to being like, yeah, going out of town and doing this whole thing. Rachel already wasn't going to go because um, she had other stuff going on too. So it was like, yeah, it was just kind of a thing. I was kind of sad about not going, but I made the choice. Un- unre- unrelated, we found out that the hotel room that we got was a one bedroom instead of a two queens. It oh, did they actually get back to you on that? So we're, we're, <laughs> No, we, no, no. But we, we, we don't know how many we don't beds actually it has. Know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so when we booked the room as part of like the suite that they like, or not the suite, the, the, the block, the block, block of rooms yeah. that they said, it was basically like you you said how many adults were going to go, and at the time Drew and I were both planning, but they were like it's either going to be one king bed or two queen beds, and you won't know until you get there, <laughs> and it was like, uh, I mean, I like Drew, he's fine, but I don't know if I want to like feel his body heat while I sleep. That's weird. No, no. So so. It's all these yeah. little things that kind of added up. It's for the like, best. Yeah. 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 It's I mean, moving you know, in the right like, direction. You know, it's tough. I, I love seeing pen people. I love going to the shows and stuff like that. Plus like the show venues under construction and I'm just anticipating it. It's going to be a little, a little bit chaotic. Yeah. Last um, year they had a line out into the parking deck it's a, and that was, and it was not under construction. That shows kind of a, it's kind of a lot. It's, there's a lot of people there and it's going to like, I just know it's going to be kind of a lot. So um, anyway, I won't go on and on about it, but just uh, made the decision for my own mental health and just being there and helping my family with some stuff that um, it would be best served if I didn't go. So I'm going to try again next year, but we'll see. Um, so there's that. Um, on the personal front, I um, have been doing more electrical work, Drew. We've been on a yeah. roll. Yep, finally replaced the, like, so I got these, like, moisture-sensing uh, switches for our bathroom fans. I mentioned that I have one for my kids because they never turned on the fan oh, when they showered, yeah. which that's been working great, by the way. Um, the only problem is I know there's like droughts all over the place, especially in the U.S. and the West and Midwest. Uh, but here in central Virginia, it is friggin' hot and muggy like it's never been. I mean, it's so muggy. It's just crazy. So um, what I've learned after installing these so I didn't, I didn't even need the moisture sensor necessarily in these other bathrooms because rachel and i like turn them on and off but it is nice like if i you know if there are smells happening in the bathroom and you you know leave the bathroom and you leave the fan on to not have to like go back later and the thing's been on for six hours or whatever you know because right. so there's these these light these fan switches have timers on them as well that's so that's honestly most of the reason why i wanted these ones but it's got the moisture sensor thing kind of built into it um, but what I've learned is it's actually so humid here that even on the lowest setting, the fan is kicking on like oh. constantly. So if it keeps doing that after a while, I might just replace it because oh, man. The, the whole point was that 
I wanted it to have a timer so it would switch off and not be running all day. But because yeah. it's so humid, oh my God. not even when we're showering, it's still running all the time. Sometimes it's, I'll it's go outside, so Brian, and I'll, I'll have a hard time swiping my phone because my fingers stick to it and they don't actually, <laughs> I can't drag my finger because as soon Crazy. as you go outside, everything is covered in a, a, just a just a, a wetness. You like, have to like swim out to your car. It's just, oh it's, my, it's so bad. It's been, yeah, it's been, we've had like thunderstorms every single day and it's like, it's usually pretty muggy in Virginia, but this is like, this feels like Florida weather, not Virginia weather. It's, it's yeah. been so muggy um, and just mud everywhere and bugs like crazy. Oh my gosh. Um, so anyway, yeah. So we're going to see how that whole saga goes. But anyway, I've done, I've now done like all the electrical projects, all that stuff that I've intended to, that Rachel's asked me to. So I'm like, I'm all caught up on the home projects, but you know, I'm still, I'm still got some tweaks to do. Um, I did have a fun project. Uh, so we'd replaced some of the old packing tables at work um, oh, yeah. with some smaller ones and stuff like that. So some of the ones that we were still using, even as of like six months ago, which you built were, right? were ones that I built like yeah. over a decade ago and they still held up. I built them sturdy i built them in large they were too big that's why we need to replace them mostly they were very difficult to relocate yeah and so i was like you know yeah and i was like you know what i could probably repurpose you know some of that so i was like i have you know i've got some room in my shed it'd be nice to have like a work surface in there and so i've had it in my shed for like months and i finally uh did that this weekend i just went ahead and you know just felt inspired to clear out my shed a little bit and build some worktops in there yeah, and I saw a picture of that, Brian. You it are they they're not just hanging on the walls, right? They have legs. So I have uh one leg that's on the floor, but um I wanted to have a lot of storage and I didn't want to be able to cuz I've got like some larger like stuff that I want to store underneath these things. And I didn't want legs everywhere. Um and so what I did is I just kind of strategically put, you know, like one leg kind of in the middle of it. And then the rest of it I did. You can't really see it in the picture that I shared with you, but um, I did like angled supports that, oh, okay. that are showing it. So, you know. Like two a, by fours? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Because that, that was my first thing. Like I see those tables. You were like, I, they're just floating there. How are they Well, there? I see those tables, Brian, and I flash back to the many times we have had to move those things. And how heavy they and, are. Yeah, Dude, they are so heavy. And they're I heavy. see those. I'm like, there needs to be many more legs on those things. <laughs> like that's a problem. Well, if so I, was gonna... I knew there had to be something else going on. So yeah, they're going to be like, like sort of worktop. So I'm not going to be like storing hundreds of pounds of stuff on top of them. It's not like I'm going to be using it like shelving where I'm just going to be like storing bins and bins and bins of stuff. Cause basically like I have like my chainsaws and I've got some like stuff, like, you know, things that I work on that are like kind of dirty and I don't really want to do it in the workshop, you know, mm-hmm. or like in my, you know, the garage with all the kids toys everywhere. So it's like sort of my place to work on like dirty, like engine stuff yeah, um, yeah, yeah and so it's like i'm mostly gonna get, which is gonna work great because these are like melamine coated particle board so um you know stuff will wipe off it and clean off it really easily so you know these more than a decade old worktops that i don't know how many thousands of orders have been packed on top of those things but now they're getting a, a second life in my shed so dude they, they've, they've maybe fifth life those things have been, <laughs> we, been we had some of those in your garage yeah, yeah, we had two of those in the garage back in the day. I think we had at one point up to four tables or something like four or five tables. Yeah, but they've all been replaced now with more dedicated like 
efficient packing stations, but they, they worked for a while. So that was kind of fun. Felt like I got to be a little nostalgic. Like that's awesome. Literally, I'm like unscrewing, you know, parts of it, and I'm like, wow, I was like, you know, I think it was like before Ellie was born. The last time I put those screws in that table, you know, you don't have you don't have the original one with the hole in the middle, do you? Um, this one had a couple of holes in it, but it wasn't. Well, there was one. There was the the first the first table. The original table had a had a hole right in the middle of it. No, I think it was for the I think it was for the cords for that computer or something like that. Oh, it could be. Yeah, yeah. No, it wasn't. So I don't. Oh, okay. That was the OG. I don't know which I don't know which table this was, but I was just curious. That was the only one that was immediately recognizable because it was the only one with the hole. Yeah, they served their purpose. Well, Um, hey, you built those things well, man. They're hanging. Thank you, thank you. And then I had another woodworking project. That's so it's a little bit of a story here. So um, Ellie, my daughter, ten years old, very creative individual, very persuasive individual. Oh Um, yeah. She comes up to me and she goes, uh, "You know, Daddy, would you uh, would you?" mind building me a wooden handsaw and i was like you mean like a a saw to cut wood or like a saw made out of wood like a decorative saw she's like yeah a saw made out of wood and i was like yes i've never done that but i can sort of conceptualize i was like i was curious because she literally just like walked up to me out of the blue and asked me to cut this thing and i just made like joseph's shelves and stuff like that so i was like okay, cool. I was like, you know, and Ellie's very frank sometimes. So I was like, oh, is this like something you'd want to like work on together and all that? She goes, no, I don't really like woodworking is what she says. And I was like, my soul died a little bit, but there's a backstory to that. She hates getting splinters, like hates splinters. I'm talking, you would think that we are like, like ripping her appendages off when we have to pull out a splinter hours of crying and negotiating just to get a splinter out so she does not like getting splinters she's a tough girl but she just for whatever reason just does not like getting splinters so even superman has kryptonite that is her kryptonite would be splinters and wearing socks but um the uh yeah so she you know, i was like okay maybe we could like i was like trying to convince her like maybe build it together but it's really clear she had something in mind and so I was like trying to get more information out of her. I was like, how, like, how big do you want this? And it was like, you know, it's not huge or whatever. And I was like, okay. I was like, I mean, I can like just make, I can like cut something out of the shape of a saw. I was like, what is this? What is this for? Like what, why would it, you know, how do I gauge like how much time to spend on this thing? Cause if it was like something her and I were going to do together, you know, I would make an educational experience and do it together and like that stuff. And she goes, oh, well it's a gift. And I was like, a gift. I was like, oh, if you're just going to give it away to somebody, I'm going to make this quick you know and i was like well who's it a gift for is it like a family she was like being kind of like coy about it and i was like this is weird why is she why is she being so weird about this so um i was like okay is it a gift like for somebody in the family like is this something that like i would want to like put more work like i was basically like how much work should i put into this right and so she was like yeah it's for it's for somebody like in the family. I was like, is this for a friend that she's going to give away? I'm never going to see it again. Cause then I don't care, you know, as much though. I have a hard time building crap. I usually put too much time into it anyway, but really, I like, yeah, I just, I, I, you know, I'm joking. I, of course you oh, do. You're, yeah, of you're course joking. you do. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I was like, okay, okay. I'll build you a saw. And so just like, you know, I just kind of threw it together. So, um, turns out I'll show you the saw. Turns out it was a gift for me. So she convinced me to build a wooden saw as a gift 
for myself from her. <laughs> so, um, but I'll show you why she, she, she altered it. So she had an idea. So, um, I'll show you the, I'll show you the back of the saw first. So just so you can see the saw itself. So, Oh, I wow. Made, that looks really good. Thank you. Um, yeah, I can see that it's a, so two different woods. So I made the, the saw handle I actually like traced out one of my saw handles that I have. So it's like proper size, you know, it's like, it's more decorative. I made it flatter than a real saw would be whatever. Um, it has the look right. And then I made the, the blade out of maple. Cause I thought it was like, Oh, it looked more saw like if it was contrasting woods. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, she signed, she loves to write her name in cursive and she always like puts a heart over her. Oh my her God. That's adorable. So the oh whole, my God. but the idea that she had, why she wanted the saw is because she wanted to write a pun on it. It says, Oh the, my the gosh. That I ever saw. So, I mean, literally I gave this to her and I showed it to her and she was like all proud and stuff like that. And then like three minutes later, she comes back and she like gave it to me as a gift. And I was like, okay, that's really adorable. Did she give that to you while we were having a meeting one day? <laughs> uh, yeah, it was. It was. I remember you reacting to that. I had no idea what was happening. Yeah. yeah. That's so, what she was doing. That's what she was. Yeah. So she, she wanted to give me the gifts, but she didn't know how to build the thing. So she asked me, so she like. Oh my gosh. Like, it's a very 10 year old thing to do. So that is I, amazing. I, I love precious. that story so much. I think it's precious and adorable. I'm really glad that I like probed her a little bit. Cause like now it's, now it's mine and I'm going to be looking at it and I'm obviously going to keep it forever. <laughs> so I'm really glad I didn't just like throw together some piece of crap. Right. That I'm not that proud of. Cause I'm going to be like, I would forever look at that and be like, man, I could have made that so much better. You know, if <laughs> yes. only I had known, but now I'm like, okay. The best dad I ever saw. Best I ever saw. So oh I was like, Oh my God. How great is that? It was just oh, out of the okay, blue, so- not for any reason. I think she just like probably saw it somewhere or conceived whatever, saw it in a joke book or something like that. I don't know. Who knows? But then she had the idea and she- It sounds uh, like, it looks like something that would be on like a coffee mug or something like that, like a dad yeah, mug. I think I've seen stuff like this on like Pinterest and all that, you know. Um, anyway, I've seen, I've seen like hammers that are engraved that says like, dad, you've nailed it or something like that. You know, stuff like that. Uh, so- it was in that vein, but yeah. Are you gonna you go. Are you gonna hang that in your workshop? I don't know where I'm gonna put it. Honestly, I thought about bringing it to the office, maybe hanging it up there. But oh, there you know. go. Right now, it's just uh, I, I I had to go and find it for this pen cast because apparently the kids were playing with it yesterday. I was ch- <laughs> chasing Joseph around, pretending it was a chainsaw, and I was like, "Oh boy, we need to get her straight on what <laughs> what the right use of a chainsaw is." Anyway, let's pretend, obviously. But I like on. how your concern is that. Wait, wait. Are you concerned that she was pretending a, a regular saw was a chainsaw? Well, I was concerned that she was pretending to chase her brother with a chainsaw. Oh, okay. That's okay. All right. That that's okay. Good. That's no, my concern was about. my concern was not like Ellie. You need okay. to be straight on the difference between a chainsaw. Right. And a okay. Hand that's saw. what I thought you were no, no, saying. No, no, no. Okay. Okay. I no, thought no, you no. were more concerned like Ellie. Chains. This saw doesn't make a noise. If you're going to chase your brother, you know, you just it's a manual Ellie, saw. If you, so you just want to. When you saw your brother, you need to make sure you have proper <laughs> technique. Right. Okay. Come back. <laughs> You need to clamp them down to the okay. table and then go elbow at 90 degrees. Yes. No, I'm kidding. Oh, my God. Anyway, oh, my face so, hurts. Uh, when we joke about Ellie having a coup and taking over this company, it's things like this that are indicators of like, oh, mm-hmm. she convinced me to make a gift for myself. And that's she's yeah, that's how she's going to do it. I'm not even going to see it coming. Anyway, so I thought it was adorable. Obviously. Sweet. Hey, Dad, sign this. Oh, oh, sure, honey. What does this do? I have control of the company What does this now. do? You're out. Yeah, and you, now you're retired. <laughs> And now you're now you're in a home. What? (laughs) (laughs) 
Yep. And Drew's going to clean all my pens. Um, I count myself fortunate. There you go. Uh, And then the last thing, uh, Rachel and I are coming up on our 16th wedding anniversary. So that always happens right around the DC pen show. So it's always like, makes me think of it, you know, uh, for years, it was like always the weekend of, I think they, the last couple of years, they've since been doing it like the first weekend in August. Our anniversary is August 12th. Um, So yeah, every August we think of our wedding. Yep. So 16 years. Yeah, that's that's a minute. That's a that's a while. Our anniversary, our, our our marriage can drive now. Nice. Yeah, we've been together. Well, congratulations like from years. everybody. Thanks. Yeah, we're not really gonna do anything, but okay, that's a thing. I don't know. Are y'all big like anniversary people? Like Rachel and I, we just don't. We just... It depends on how much money we have at the time. Mm. <laughs> it's like, yeah. how we doing? No, it, it's you. We don't do yeah. we don't usually. I mean, we we live every day like it's our anniversary. No, not really. We've talked about maybe doing like a couples trip to Disney at our twentieth um, because okay. I think this year is fifteen, um, and yeah, yeah, that's not happening. Um, so we might do <laughs> yeah. something special for twenty. We'll see. But yeah, that was fun. It just depends. I mean, honestly, we're all if if we have the money and time and we want to do something, we do it. And if it's around some sort of celebratory event, we just say, hey, maybe this can be for Christmas or hey, maybe this can be for anniversary. You know? Yeah, we end up doing that. We end up doing things that like are kind of happening anyway. And we like, yes, attach it to the closest. Yes. 100 percent. Exactly. Yeah. But I'm I'm not I'm not real. I mean, neither of us are real big on like it's got to happen on that day. You know, that kind of a thing. We're just now. Now, honestly, you know, September 18th was when we moved in together and we've been living together several years before we got married. So to me, that was that day was the big day. That was the day we both said, all right, we are committing to this. She moved from Florida to Virginia with me. We are all in. And the wedding was just kind of like, a, all right, let's make it legal. So that that to right. me is less impactful so i don't know maybe i think that uh that one day in september is honestly a little worth celebrating a little bit more but hey we don't celebrate that one either either so i don't know what the heck i'm talking about <laughs> it's all good man to each their own all right got a couple of company updates here as drew mentioned last week's pencast ended up being this week's pencast on monday um, so if you haven't seen that, go check it out. You get a two for one this week. Hey, didn't have one last week, but now you get two. So that's fun. Um, next week, I'm going to be taking time off with my family, but we pre-recorded a and a for you. So that will be happening and uh, it'll be shorter than usual, but still kind of long. So you'll still get your fill. Um, we do have some upcoming Pencast guests, both from inside and outside the company. So look forward to that. This will be after obviously next week. Um, and then the DC show is this weekend. If you haven't already heard from this pencast, so I say hi to Drew, if you're going to be there on Saturday and that's it for the company updates. So to wrap this sucker up, I want to thank you all for watching. Please leave us some feedback in the comments. Let us know how we're doing. Ask us questions. Let us know what pens you want us to focus on for the spotlight and so on and so forth. You can check out gulepens.com for all of your fountain pen, ink, and paper needs. And if you want to email us, you can email us at pencast at gulepens.com. And Drew wants to say something. What's That's up? That's right. E- email us and uh, send us any hypotheticals you might want us to discuss. And yeah. that one nibmeister that you know that has been practicing for hundreds of hours and That's just right. hasn't told anybody about. Secret, secret nibmeister. Yeah. 
that 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 person let them know to email us too. <laughs> yes, that Nimmeister is so focused on their craft they have not. Yes, yet, exactly. They're just, not yet communicated to another human, right. and would love nothing more than to just right. be locked away. Re- relocate to Virginia. Absolutely. That's there you go. Sounds go ahead good. and tell. Yeah, go ahead and let them email us. Just yeah. now, now's the time. Now's the time. You can go ahead. You can stop waiting now. Just. Exactly. Um, and then uh, to close us out, I have a random fun fact. So uh, because it's me and Rachel's wedding anniversary, you know, you've heard of like your 50th anniversary being like your gold anniversary or whatever. I don't, rem- I don't know what any what of them stuff. are. I, I know that's a thing, but I've never, I don't know any of them. I don't know where it comes from. It feels made up. I looked it up a couple of Everything's lists. Everything's made up. It's, well, I guess so. Um, <laughs> but I found a couple of different lists that, you know, the, usually like the big milestone ones are the same, but some of the obscure years were different from each other and i was like what is like nobody really knows what's going on so anyway i pulled a list from hallmark i figured they're somebody who does that's an authority anniversary things so they had one they had a list of years one through 60 so Mm. apparently there's a theme or an object or something that happens for everyone the first anniversary is paper hey paper what's up um fifth anniversary is wood are you doing fun. all 60 right now? No, I'm just picked out some of the key ones that jumped okay. out to me. Um, Drew, you'll appreciate this. The 16th, which Rachel and I are celebrating, is coffee or tea. What? And I was like, all right. But another list I, I saw said wax. And I was like, wax? That's a weird like thing to be for an anniversary. But some things are weird. It's like tin, you know. So pottery, what I need you know. for that one is a coffee-scented Yankee candle. Thank you very much. Oh, hey, didn't think about candles being wax. Yeah, that actually makes the most sense. I was thinking wax is like Joseph has braces and he has to put wax on them all the time. You know, like I was thinking like paraffin wax. You You thought of all that before a candle. I thought of like very practical wax that you use for like fixing things or whatever. Yeah, I didn't think of practical wax. (laughs) That is interesting, Brian. I didn't didn't think of like wax that would actually be for a gift. Yeah, candle. That makes a million times more sense than any wax I came up with. Wow. Anyway, well, the the Hallmark list says coffee or tea. And I was like, Rachel and I can get on on board with some coffee. But um, the 29th anniversary was tools. I was like, heck yeah. Throw one in there for the guys. Because right now you're practicing restraint on the tools you buy, you know, waiting for Rachel's. I need to buy Rachel some tools. Um, 44th anniversary is electronics. That's fun. All right. Maybe the the PlayStation, PlayStation 10 will be out by then. Yeah. I mean, 40, 44. Maybe the, maybe they'll finally have stock of the PS (laughs) five. There you go. Um, yeah. What anniversary are y'all coming up on drew? What's your next one? I think we're coming up on 15. I think 15 15? is in October. That's crystal. So you better start saving up. Boo. (laughs) Neither of us want any crystal. (laughs) <laughs> yeah we would just break it you could probably buy some like somebody else's wedding crystal that they're not using anymore there you go buy it off ebay or something yeah all that champagne we drink that's right <laughs> all that martinelli's you know i don't even know what that is that's like the uh what is it apple cider, the sparkling cider brand oh, you know oh yeah no we can get down on some of that every every new year's man heck yeah that's what we that's what we was anyway that's all we got for this week, so you can enjoy that. Go Google the Hallmark list if you don't care, but that's what we got. Anyway, thank you all so much for watching, and right on.